Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, and it is an Isla Ra for you on this episode of episodes, episode 99. I am one of your high priests, Ray, and I have a very special guest tonight um, as we sit fine here in Grant Mansion. Uh, I have one of, uh, I guess you'd say, one of our loonies that have been with our community, like, almost from the start, I believe, uh, and we're very happy to have on our show to do an Isla Ra, Midkine, or MK. How are you, MK? Yeah, I'm, it's finally great to be here. (laughs) That's, that's really cool. I mean, We've been talking for a while to try to get you on because um, you have been in and around the ITK community for for a while online, chatting in our loony bin, uh, you know, posting up stuff and commenting. Uh, it, it's a real a real honour to have you um, on the show here up at Grant Mansion, of course. Do you like the um, the decor here, MK? It, does it does it suit your um you know, does it does it suit you? You know the the leather chairs here. We've got the the bearskin rug, uh, the crackling fire. Uh, are you nice and comfy here? Yeah, it's it's really really comfy. I could go to sleep actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not let's hope that you don't go to sleep uh, because we've got a, a, an awesome awesome episode coming up. Um, for you and for the Looney listeners out there. So, Loonies, um, you might be wondering where, you know, the um, the crazier half of your high priests are, Konishu. Konishu, unfortunately, cannot be with us, but he does send his regards, and uh, and we're, we'll be hoping to, to catch up with Connor when we can, um, and I'm sure MK, um, you'll cross paths with him many a time in in our Facebook group. But uh, as many of you loonies know, um, with every waning gibbous, so if you look up in the moon, you look uh, at the sky into the uh, at the moon, and you um, you look at Concha, you'd probably see it is a waning gibbous, which in layman's terms is kind of almost maybe a full moon, um, uh, becoming a full moon. And anyway, so with the waning gibbous, we are bound by Concha to do an Isla Ra, and an Isla Ra is basically four top books picked by your favourite loonies if they were stranded on a desert island, or in this case, an Isla Ra. So we have um, MK here. I'm going to have to get used to calling you MK, MK, because I always just know you as Midkine, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> and we, we obviously get to know uh, MK a little bit more as well so uh, the other added advantage of an Isla Ra is not only to be exposed to maybe comic books that you won't usually or um, or usually consider reading but also to get to know your loonies a bit more and um, and we are just so proud to have loonies from all over the world and uh, MK you herald from those great islands called the Philippines yep yep I'm from the Philippines, and uh, yeah, where are? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm currently located in the capital, I think. Yes. Oh, in, Ma- in Manila. 
uh, in the national capital region. Yes. Okay. Right. I uh, I'm not sure if other loonies know. I um, my background is Filipino as well. Uh, kind of grew up in Australia. I've got a lot of family over there. Uh, I've got some cousins and aunts and uncles in Marikina, um, which I believe is kind of in Ooh. and around Manila. Yeah. Yes, it's it's near. It's near. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mum was from Nasugbu, Batangas, which is more of a country, kind of rural side. Is, is that correct? <laughs> Have you been there, MK? Uh, I haven't been there. That's really far, but <laughs> more than four hours, I think. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, oh, oh, God, tell me about that. the traffic, though, eh? The traffic in the Philippines is... Oh, my gosh. It is, uh, it is hard going. Uh, do you drive over there? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do you drive over in the Philippines? Mm, I I mostly commute. I haven't, I even haven't got my card yet, my driver's license card. Oh, that's okay. That's a, that's not a problem at all. Um, so uh, I guess for other loonies here, uh, tell us a bit more about yourself, uh, MK. So you're from the Philippines, um. How did you come across the Into the Night podcast or the community? Mm. It's been a year, actually. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, man, I'm so forgetful. I, <laughs> I, I don't know if who I encountered first, Moon Knight Core or the Into the Night group, mm-hmm. but I was... Uh, but, mm, I think I was kind of bored and was looking for Moon Knight stuff when encountered and we were small at that time I don't know if yeah. I don't know I don't, I don't know if next after our community started but uh, yeah I remember I remember it's we were really small back then when I joined mm-hmm yeah, and it's been it's been great to slowly grow ever since then. Um, yeah, and you've been a staple. I'm really I've been proud. A staple. I, I'm sorry. I'm really proud how our community grows. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Everyone brings a bit of something um, to share, and you have fantastic collections of comics and Moon Knight paraphernalia. It's really good. You, um, did you not start in Comic Vine, I remember you mentioned? Oh, yes. Uh, actually, before, way before the Comic Core pages and the uh, communities and the groups in Facebook, I, I was a regular in, I was regularly in ComicVine.com. Yeah, so Comic Vine, um, is that a, is that a really good, is that a good site and a good forum place? I've never used it before, but um, I have uh, come across it a lot of times. Uh, it used to be a really, really good site for comic news, previews, and the forum site. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know, maybe the lack of support for the writer's side caused the writers to go away, and it just... It was just uh, absorbed by GameStop, mm. and uh, in my opinion, the the only thing that's 
keeping it alive now is the forums. The forums are still there. Yeah. And uh, man, you, if we, yeah, sorry. Yes, yes. I never saying like, do you do you do do you go on Reddit and stuff? Like Reddit's like a big forum. Again, that's something I've never really used myself. I know a lot of loonies do use it. Um, is Reddit something that you use? Uh, I use. Uh, I used to read it, but uh, it's really occasional, uh-huh. I think. Uh, I used to frequent it because uh, uh, I was really active in making memes in the past months. So I went there for meme templates and such. Okay. But uh, I don't really dig deep in Reddit, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah right. I mean, Comic Vine. I yeah, I, I do get the sense that they they did have a bit of a um a gaming vibe as well. I know, again, I know a lot of loonies do love their games, so I, I wonder if it's still um kind of popular and, and popularly used. I guess I don't know amongst gamers. I don't, I'm talking about something I I know completely nothing about. <laughs> okay, so um, but I'm glad that you found Into the Night, and I'm glad that you found Moon Knight Core. Uh, a big shout out to Moon Knight Core. They, those guys are, are absolutely awesome. They they carry, you know, if we carry the torch for Moon Knight, these guys carry the uh, the bonfire for them. They they, they do really do um, uh, make it known online about Moon Knight, and and they do it in such a funny way. It's really cool. I can imagine I can imagine they were quite attractive to you, MK, because you mentioned just then that you do like you did a lot of memes. So I mean, those guys. Live and breathe memes, don't they? Yeah, real, real big shout out to when I call those awesome mad lads. <laughs> they're they're really really good. They they are. They don't. I don't know. They have fresh content every time, and I know. I'm still surprised. At, I'm still surprised about that. Yeah, the I... content they serve. I know. I can't believe it. They just constantly bring it, and and they're kind of, and they're all funny as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we try to inject <laughs> a little humor in our play in our show, but uh, not as much as those girls. Those girls are, are top. So, um, a big shout out to uh, Bobby and to Dave. If I if I remember my my old man brain, uh, big shout out to you guys. Uh, you're doing a great job, and we're just so glad to be associated with you um anyway also um bringing it back mk to why you're here oh actually hang on let me ring the um let me ring the the dinner bell okay so i've just summoned samuels um you know the ever suffering butler to mark specter he's on his way he's soon um are, are you are you thirsty or you're hungry do you want anything to um to drink or eat mm. Maybe just water. Just water. Maybe. Oh, come on, MK. You've got you know we've got Grant Mansion. You can have anything you want. <laughs> Maybe a can of Doctor Pepper. Okay, yeah, hang on. Uh, okay. Oh, hello, Samuels. Hi. Yes. Yes. Hey, Samuels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, it is another uh, another loony. Yes, it is our Isla Ra time. Yeah. Yeah. So you are on the clock. Uh, and our good guest here, MK, he would love a Dr. Pepper, please. Yes, that's right. He's called MK. Yeah, I know. I know the association. Um, we're just glad that he's a loony as well. All right. And now for me, can I, um, 
get me a, a glass of red, actually. Why not, eh? Let's let's uh, live a little. Thank you, Samuels. Thank you. All right, off he goes. Okay, MK, he'll be back with a drink soon, but while we wait for that... Sweet. <laughs> yeah, just make yourself comfy here. You know, these plush leather seats here. Um, you know, it's a bit chilly outside, so, you know, the crackling fire's on. We've got a bit of bit of music in the background uh, to make it nice and toasty um, and just a reminder now to loonies as well so um, so MK has chosen his top four books now as you'll probably see in the show notes uh, they're kind of encrypted um, now you can choose to click on the links and have a look at the the comics that MK has chosen and kind of prepare yourself for our discussion ahead or you can just choose to be surprised as we reveal each one of them now, there is a point of difference here, MK. Um, let me just say it from the outset. Um, half of your books would be pretty hard to get if you were outside of the Philippines. Would that be correct? Uh, yes, that is correct. Yes, but they are no less enjoyable, let me tell you. So we are going to really give this a red-hot go once we get into it. But... Before we do, and as always, we like to know uh, a little bit more about our loonies. And I, I jumped the gun a bit, um, MK, by asking you about how you found, you know, the likes of uh, Moon Knight Core and, and the ITK community. We usually ask the same things to all our guests, and the first thing, right off the, uh, off the, you know, off the bat, would be um, comics. So, how did you? Number one, when did you get into comics, and how did you get into comics? What was your first ever memory of picking up a comic and going, yep, I'm going to be reading these for a long time to come? That is a really good question you got there. <laughs> uh, I, I, the, most, uh, the first uh, experience, I think, the first experience I got with comics was, uh, I don't know how young that was I that time but back in our province uh, a local mall a local mall uh, decided to sell comics of Superman and Spider-Man and they were just I think uh, $2 each I think mm-hmm. to uh, in US equivalent and man it was so 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 uh, I don't know. I I didn't want to go home before <laughs> not before buying at least one of them. Yeah. What what, I, what um what drew you to it? Like, did you just stumble across this store, or or how did you? What what kind of yeah? What kind of attracted you to go look at these comics? Just the covers or something? Uh, uh maybe my ex- uh, past experience in. Uh, watching cartoons of, mm-hmm. uh, you know the the likes of Spider Man, Superman, mm-hmm. animated series, Batman, just sleeking the legs. Uh, maybe that that was uh, that that picked my mm-hmm. interest in those issues that I saw. And back then, I uh, as far as I can, I can remember, it was Spectacular Spider Man, I think, and awesome. S- the Superman issues were all random, and I remember what I bought was the animated series Superman issue. I don't remember which. But oh, there, I, there was a com- I, there was a comic on the animated series. Yeah, I think oh, okay. because uh, 
the art was really uh, animated series style, mm-hmm. you know, Bruce Timms, and uh, it was the fan, uh, the, the guys that uh, escaped the Phantom Zone, I think, mm-hmm. that issue. Right. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. Cool. Are you are you still a fan of Spider-Man and Superman to this day? Uh, Superman, not that much, but I appreciate. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate his his iconic. Uh, yeah. 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 You know. <laughs> uh, I, I can't ex- exactly describe it, but yeah, no, I appreciate that's... Superman. Really, uh, I've got to laugh because um, my other co-host, I, I do another podcast, uh, the Sons of Last Sons of Krypton. We do a, a Superman, yeah. Superman podcast. Oh, look, I, I'm still kind of learning about Superman, and my co-host Connor is a is a huge fan. Um, so I've just got to have a bit of a, a bit of a dig at him there. Uh, a bit funny <laughs> that you've kind of faded off there. But um, look, that's not going to deter me from the character. Uh, how about Spider Man? Um, Spectacular Spider Man. You said I, I grew up on Spectacular Spider Man too. Um, uh, Sal Buscema, I think, was on, on the art. Uh, I, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to know who the, the writer was back then because um, the, the the artist was a lot bigger than the writer. Um, back then, you could argue, but um, yeah, do, do you still hold a hold a um, a candle to to Spider Man? I recently recently went back. Uh, let's see. Let me describe this. <clears throat> uh, the run that I encountered that got me back to Spider Man was uh, Superior, I think, because at oh, uh, nice. the yeah. The, the time that Superior went out, the fans were just divided in yeah. the comic mind forums. There were death was, threats. Was, Dan Slott was being yeah. threatened with, de- with death. It was a real shitstorm, and yeah. I really like like the the intrigue that came with it. And yeah. uh, in my opinion, it was it was good. It uh, it it was pulled off nicely, decently. Yeah. And it was it served a precursor to Spider Verse, so yes. I can't I can I can complain. Spider Verse is awesome. Spider Verse, Spider Verse is great. Yeah, I lo- I love it as well. And it, it is funny, isn't it? It's like a bit of a storm in a teacup with a lot of comic book fans. Um, you know what Dan Slott did was very like controversial because it was against the character. You had the likes of Dr. Octopus becoming Spider-Man, which is, you know, a massive no-no because it's never been done before. <laughs> but what you comic fans don't realize is that this is exactly what writers do. Like they've done for years and years and years. They have to push the envelope. You can't have your stock standard um, stories about Spider-Man versus his versus Shocker versus Green Goblin. You've got to do something interesting and different, and it happens time and time again. Like I'm sure MK, you've you've seen with other comics that you collect. Um, you know, we can talk about stuff like Secret Empire uh, with Cap America mm. turning bad. I mean, that just brought, oh. uh, death threats again to Nick Spencer. These comic fans, they just like, oh, what are you doing? But it's always the same. It's like. Sooner or later, the hero will come round, and we f- and you see that with Superior Spider-Man, Peter Parker yes. is back, <laughs> and like we're back <laughs> where we wanted. So all this kind of panic and hoo ha, I find it hilarious, and um, and uh, I totally agree with you as well. It, it was a very solid run. I mean, Dan Slott, he spent the better part of what ten years 
writing Spider-Man. Um, yeah, it was, it was really long. Really long. And, and of course, there were highs and lows. But I think his superior Spider-Man arc was just, you know, groundbreaking. It was fantastic. You know, who would have thought to have Doc Ock as, as Spider-Man, you know? Um, and it's not ridiculous because you look at Spider-Man with his history with the clone saga. I mean, everything ridiculous has happened to Spider-Man. So why can't you have Doc Ock becoming Spider-Man as inhabiting his body, you know? Um, so, yeah, I found it hilarious. I think it's, it's great. But I'm glad that you, um, you totally enjoy it. Um, are you reading the current run now with Nick Spencer? I I kind of stopped after Spider Verse, and mm-hmm. I, I it's a shame I missed Spider Gideon. Really. Uh, that was good. That was okay. That I enjoyed it. Yeah. Spider Spider Verse is a lot. I think I, I still prefer um, prefer Spider Verse. Um, so I'm like you. I really do love that um, that event. Spider Gideon's uh, yeah okay. It's um it's, it was solid. I, it was enjoyable. Um, and yeah, I would recommend it if you could get it. One of my books in the pool list is Spider-Man Life Story, so there's that. Ooh, uh, I really nice. enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I'm really okay. enjoying Zardsky yeah. stuff right now. Oh, Zardsky's he's killing it, isn't he? I love his Daredevil. I yes. don't know if you're a Daredevil, a Daredevil fan. Oh man, we've got we've got I... to, we've got to talk MK. <laughs> 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 But yeah, I I, did, I never bought a Daredevil until really? you guys suggested Starsky's oh, Daredevil, man, and yeah, I'm, it is good. good. Yeah, it's really. Good. And how how good but, is Mark Chichetto's art? The art there is just fantastic as well. In Daredevil, second, I second that. Yeah. Really, <laughs> such good art, such good writing. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> I haven't read. Number four yet though, but damn. I haven't read it as well, yeah. I'm really behind. But um I've loved one, two and three so far and you know generally they say, don't they? Like, you know, if you you stick with at least three issues to get a sense of where things are heading, um, yeah, well three issues in, um, I'm already invested. It's really cool. Any other um any other titles whilst there aren't any Moon Knight titles, are there any other titles that you that you're currently following, uh, MK, that you wanna Want to give a shout out to? Mm, uh, I think I want to give a shout out, shout out to our valiant boys. Uh, I'm yes. currently, I'm currently uh, buying Life and Death of Toyo Harada. It's yes. really good. You like it? It's yeah. Really good. Yeah, I like it as well. I've only read issue one, but uh, I'm already really, really into it. Toyo Harada would have to be one of the most, I think one of the most complex um, villains uh, going around. Yes, I. he's one of the villains I, I can put the nobody uh, did nothing wrong tag yeah. on. Exactly, he's, yeah. You can you can actually justify, like, I mean, I should, oh God, be careful, yes, what I, careful what I say because he does kill a lot of people, but you know what I mean, you can, you can understand totally where he's coming from and totally what he wants to do. You know, compared to, like, Magneto, um, there's a bit of empathy there. Like, he wants to stand up for mutants, but he also wants mm-hmm. to kill a hell, of lo- a hell of a lot of humans, which you kind of like, well, that's not really a good thing, is it? Um, yeah, but with Toya, he's kind of like, yeah, like Magneto, but just amped up a bit. And, and he's, um, yeah. So any other Valiant titles that you're... Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, there's plenty, aren't there? <laughs> We could we could spend a whole episode talking about Berlin titles. <laughs> uh, recently, re- recently just announced. Um, but sorry, by the time this episode comes out, it, it's probably common knowledge. But just recently announced was uh, one of my favourite writers, Dennis Hopeless. He oh he, yeah, he's taking over Echo Manowar. Yeah, how cool is that? And and there's a cover by Christian Ward as well. So some loonies would know he drew Black Bolt, um, and he won an Eisner for it as well. So uh, a top really? artist, well, yeah, yeah. He's uh, well, he's doing at least the covers. I don't know if he's doing the interior art for EXO, but um, but Dennis Hopeless, or as he's no, he's using his real name now, Hallam. So Dennis Hallam, um, that that would be really cool to see. But yeah, 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 Valiant, big shout out, good stuff. MK, I, I knew I could rely on you, MK, to to to, <laughs> to, to fly the Valiant flag. <laughs> that was that was very good. Um, yeah, uh, how about any classic? Are you doing any um, like any reads of older runs or older like trades that you're, that you're quite interested in, in at the moment? Mm, not, uh, not that that, not that this moment. But mm-hmm. I've uh, uh, late uh, last time I had a real steal somewhere, somewhere I just I bought a. Walking Dead book one for about like four US dollars and it was really surprised surprised to see it wow what that book one how many uh, issues does that collect oh man I forgot I haven't I didn't read uh, how many issues it okay. contained but it's is, but is I it, haven't yeah. finished it yet though. okay because I've got the compendium I don't know if that's book one it's a really thick Thick one, I think it. The, yeah, it's hardbound, right? Oh no, no, mine is it? No, no, no. So okay, so yours is it? Oh. Yeah, I know the hardbound ones. They're uh, a bit thinner. Uh, I think I got like the omnibus, um, but just a soft, soft cover of it, and and it, it contains a hell of a lot. Like it took me ages to <laughs> ages to read, but uh, <laughs> but did you enjoy it? Do you enjoy? Uh, have you read most? Of, have you done it? Have you read it? Uh, I'm a bit halfway. Yeah. Do you like it uh, on the book and and it's it's kind of a heavy read actually for me. It is. It is. Because, it is. Oh man, it is. Yeah. Yeah. The the what you call it? Mm, the atmosphere and the drama mm. is just uh, it's kind of heavy for me. That's why it's taking long to read. Yeah. Yeah. True. Uh, I, yeah, I can't agree more. It's it's very much like the earlier seasons of the show. It, it is very, and, and sometimes it doesn't really, really bother too much about the zombies, uh, and it's more about the relationships between the people, which which make mm, it heavy. True. You know, which is really good actually, and that ties into we'll get to it. Your top four books, but um, that was something I picked, and I really wanted to discuss with you about um, <laughs> the type of yeah, yeah, the type of. Um, uh, comics that you did, which uh, you chose, which were fantastic. Um, yeah, so okay, well, um, that that's pretty cool. Um, the next thing that we usually ask as well um, for oh, hang on, it's all right. Here's Samuels. Thank you, Samuels. Um, that Dr. thank Pepper. you, Samuels. Yeah, there, there you go. And that's yeah, that's my red. Thank you, Samuels. Up, oh, you filled it to the brim. That's why we like you. Thank you very much. That's a full glass of wine there. Uh, thank you. And um, look, should we, you know, if we get peckish, 
We might give you another bell, Samuels. Is that okay? Mm. All right. Thank you. See you later. All right. There you go, MK. We both got... We are stocked up now with our drinks. Um, you know, to kind of uh, wet the uh, the palate there. Um, <laughs> now, the, what we were going... Uh, I was going to ask before I was rudely interrupted by Samuels was, uh, <laughs> was Moon Knight. So how did you... Um, how did you come across Moon Knight? Although you kind of, I guess, partially answered, answered it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, well, then, what kind of made you, I mean, tell us a bit more. Like, you know, tell us your kind of way of thinking um, when you do, when you saw Moon Knight um, and it was the Ellis, you know, Ellis run and, and stuff. So what appealed to you from it? Like why Why did it kind of make you come back and go, okay, um, I'm going to kind of investigate this character more, and it may have been because of uh, Moon Knight Core as well. But yeah, I mean, how did you, how did you get bitten by the Moon Knight bug? Oh, uh, let's see. I think it was a preview for one of the issues of Alice Run, mm-hmm. and it was. I tried it out. Uh, I tried it out by not so legal terms. Uh, I'm sorry for the for the. <laughs> You're so polite. You know, yeah, right. uh, okay, that's okay. I think everyone does it. No one says it, but everyone does it <laughs> to some capacity. <laughs> so, so yeah, so you uh, okay? So you picked up you picked up a copy. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, yes. Yeah, which uh, which issue was this? Uh, uh, I think I I. Started with the yeah the the Alice run. It's oh you mean so from issue one first. Okay, so from issue one to six then. Yes. Ah, okay, okay. Cool. Issues issues one to six, and it just really really dragged me in. Mm. Uh, the the one shots were really good each and every issue, yeah. uh, especially when what uh, let's see issue number. To a sniper issue yep. number three. What what issue was the mushrooms again? I forgot. Uh, issue four. Yeah, issue four. Issue four was really trippy. Yeah, that was uh, sleep. It, I think it, it was called. Yeah. I think, yes. Yeah. It, it was really really cool to to um, explore one aspect uh, up to another. Mm-hmm. You no know, street level, then mystical side, yeah. then. That that's a beauty of Moon Knight because it is like on face value a street level thing, but you got the supernatural aspects. You've got the, you, you know, the weird, you know, mystical thing of, um, and a lot of it has to do with Ellis, you know, um, with uh, that issue four bit. And then you've got the out and out action of say issue five going up that tenement, which is yes, that's my god all time favorite. I mean, like. Uh, yeah. The action scenes were godly in them. Oh, really, man, they were good, weren't they? They were, uh, you know, made and drawn for for cinema and for for TV. You can you can imagine seeing that on the screen. It was really good. And I'm not sure if you've listened to a couple of uh, a few episodes ago. Actually, now uh, we had uh, Noel Tate, uh, the frontman from Delita, who provided the music to our podcast. Um, they are releasing in, I think, the American Summer, which is, uh, I think, 
Yeah, that would be your dry season. Is that right? I think it's your dry season. Um, Summer. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it, it's, it's winter for us um, in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, so that's in June, July, August. Anyway, uh, Delita are releasing a, a, a six-track EP, MK, which you'd be love. I think you'd love. Each track is based on each of the issues of the Ellis Run. Oh, sweet! I know. How good is that? That's that's really sick. I have it. I'm on that episode, but I haven't finished it yet. So yeah, yeah. no, it's, oh, I haven't listened. Noel is a great. Yeah, yeah, he's a great thing. But um, we we go we talk about it towards the end of the uh, the episode, uh, and really good insight into um, how he approaches each of those issues, which is yeah, fully can't can't wait for that. Um, so your gateway drug, so to speak, MK <laughs> is is the Ellis Run. What drug did you pick after that? Like of the Moonlight Run. So what what volume did you go for? Did you go for the Lemire or the Houston or? Yeah, I, actually, uh, it's re- it's really funny because uh, I, uh, it's uh, to be honest, I haven't really read much of the previous runs mm-hmm. before Alice, except for the back issues I've bought. Yeah, and I'm grateful that I bought them, mm-hmm. except for the Bendis. <laughs> you know my opinion. You know my opinion on Bendis. Oh, look, every yeah, everyone has an opinion, which is fine. It's all valid because everyone's tastes are different. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just trying to say MK as well, just in case there are, um, you know, many Bendis fans, obviously, out there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So, but sorry, what, so what volume was it that you, um, you kind of looked at next, immediately after the Ellis run? Uh, I, I did the Lima, Lima run. And ah, yeah. yeah. It was the art. Oh, man, I'm really a fan of Greg Smallwood. Oh, he really. is amazing, isn't he? Far out. He yes. just um and he, he featured earlier on as well. I think he was in the um oh god, I can't is it the um it was the Brian Wood run. So it was a run immediately after Warren Ellis. Oh yes. Yeah, so he did uh, uh, yes, I forgot. Yeah. Uh Brian Wood and Colin Bunn, I think, right? Yes after yeah. Ellis. Yeah. Yes. Oh you, you you read them as well, yeah? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, they they're good as well in their own right. Smallwood, it's still fantastic, but he really hits his stride with um, Jeff Lemire. I think he really matures in a, as an artist. Uh, you know, not to say during that Lemire run, but around that time, like, he was really starting to come into his own. Uh, he does a lot of covers now. I, I'm not sure if you you collect um, the Punisher um, by Matt Rosenberg, but he does a lot of the well, he does all the covers to um, the Punisher series at the moment, which is pretty cool. Uh, I, uh, let's see. I haven't uh, collected the uh, recent Punisher run yet, but mm-hmm. I've also seen Smallwood doing covers for Shadow Man. I think. Yes. Yeah, Shadow Man. Yeah, I've, I love the yeah, name. I've, love the uh, shout out there, MK. Like, you, 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 yeah, you, just just remembered. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, you're ticking all the boxes here. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, fantastic Shadow Man is bloody awesome. Anyone out there? Andy Diggle. Again, Renata Guerres. Guerres. A fantastic run. Anyway, so, um, okay, so, uh, so Ellis was your. It's funny because um, having spoken to many loonies, MK, uh, it's so funny the difference, you know, differences of how people get into Moon Knight. Um, 
the one of the main ones that we found was through gaming, like Ultimate Alliance. Oh a, yeah, a lot of loonies that um, he seems to be very successful as a as an avatar uh, in in gaming, and it's funny because he's such a he is a B grade you know character in the Marvel <laughs> universe, but he seems to be so popular and so effective in the gaming world. So. Um, yeah, it's funny, a lot of people get into him then, but um, there's no, obviously, there's no problem at all to stumble on him with uh, Warren Ellis. It's kind of like you you stumble on to one of the the really good runs first, you know. Um, I would hate to think if you stumbled on to, say, Fist of Conchu, <laughs> volume two, <laughs> volume two uh, I don't know, there might be lovers out there for him, but uh, <laughs> do you, have you read that one? I, I have, uh, I think, one or two issues yeah. that issues here and it was really really uh kind of weird i think it was it was a bit strange wasn't it um especially uh, the the especially the part when the priests uh yes ghost priests call him what, what? i know I, I mean who full credit to uh oh, man off the top of my head i think it's zelenst or something like that alan zelenst uh was a writer full credit for something different and he he did implement you know the use of the moon as, um, as oh, yeah. affecting moon knights, yeah, strength and all that. Full credit for all that, and and he had all the Egyptian kind of weaponry for Moon Knight. Um, so very different, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was because it was just very dated. I'll have to read it again, but um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So okay, so well into Moon Knight now. Um, what did you what did you think of? Uh, now, I'm going to tread carefully here as well. What did you think of the Bemis run? Did you enjoy that? Or oh no, actually, I saw your comment on the um, on the tr- on the thread. Yeah? Oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's it was really really enjoyable. Yeah, to be honest, if you are not taking the character so seriously, it's mm-hmm. really fun. It was wild. Yeah, it was. It was it a wild w- run. But looking at the bigger picture, it uh, the later parts really fell out. For me, ah, uh, yeah, uh, and I can't deny as well. Um, it's true. I mean, like issues one ninety nine and two hundred were hard reads. They they were very difficult. I found to read. Um, I I love to read them again just to see how they turn up. But I I found them very hard reads. Um, and and Max himself had said he deliberately made them difficult reads to challenge the reader. So, um. Yeah, so it's not everyone's cup of tea, but yeah, okay, so that was good. Um, Jason Burroughs' art I thought was brilliant in it, and um, and Paul Davidson's. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, the art was. Uh, uh, would you? Are you a? Um, what would you say, MK? Are you a, an a, an art man or are you a a writer man? Like, what, <laughs> good yeah, question. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of um, uh, attracts you more? Let's see. Uh, I really think that um, if I see a run that has not so pleasing art to the eyes, mm-hmm. but has good writing, mm-hmm. I'd probably probably stay for the writing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if otherwise, hmm, or the other way around. Uh, I would probably not stick for long. I yeah, think. that's a good way of putting it. Actually, I I probably tend to, I tend to agree. I think I think writing will carry a book, even if the art is 
bad. Like, if the writing's good, I think that will carry the book. But, um, yeah, if you have fantastic art, but but if the story is shit, then, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tend to agree, yeah. I think it would be very hard to, to say, okay, I'm going to get issue two for this because... I mean, I don't, I don't know as well. How much are how much are comics over over in the Philippines? Right. Mm, are they expensive uh, or? Oh, let's see. Mm, yeah, kind kind of expensive. Mm, Maybe. Bit, yeah. uh, let's see. Maybe my bullet is one. Six one seventh of my salary, my whole post. Right. I think. Wow, but how many how many titles have you got, MK? Come on, you know, <laughs> you know. Oh. Are, are you uh, are you? Uh, current, sorry, my current post is uh, Life and Death of Toy Harada. Yeah, the the Exo Man Award that's stopping at twenty six. Yep, yep. Mm, life Story, Spider Man Life Story, uh-huh. Daredevil. Yeah, and. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Ooh, hey, you threw that one in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like, shout out for that. It's really good. You like, yeah, you like your cosmic stuff. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. I, I loved Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest. It's, Ooh, uh, I'm gonna have to pick your DNA. brain. Sorry, DNA is really good. I wish they wrote more comic stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are they together? It's, I've heard that they kind of had a... Well, I, I've read somewhere that they didn't say the best things about each other. So, I don't know. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. they, they had fallout, fallout, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they are great. They're a great team. Um, yeah, okay. Farah, so that is expensive, you know, because it is expensive over here as well. Like, it's about eight Australian bucks for, for one comic. Like, eight dollars. And... To put that into context, um, you know, if you're working in the city in the big smoke, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna liken it to like you're buying a lunches. You know, a lunch will cost you like ten, eleven bucks. So a comic is eight bucks. You know that that's pretty that's pretty expensive. Like you know, um, yeah. So yeah, it's um. Totally forgotten why we're totally forgotten why we're talking about finances, MK. But <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, so um, I guess the other question that we do ask, and we did speak about this kind of a bit um, off air before we we come on the show. Um, I know, MK, that you do frequent uh, some of the comic book conventions over in the Philippines. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, I, myself, personally, um, I haven't been to many in Australia because apparently they're not that good. Not that good. (laughs) Over here. Um, Tell us about the conventions in the Philippines and the ones that you've been to. Have you been enjoying them? Um, Who did you see? What did you get? Um, yeah, how is it? Oh, conventions are really fun in there, in here in the Philippines. Uh, most of all, uh, there there are local comic book stores that 
uh, sell back issues for either really cheap or really expensive for what they're worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, I've seen some early Moon Knight stuff that went for, let's see, hmm, 3,000 pesos is like Sixty buck, uh, sixty bucks. I think. My US God, dollars? really? Yeah, really. Man, man, man. It's really expensive, and uh, but uh, I re- but I frequent the one one dollar one dollar back issues. Of course, I've even course. I've even got a Scarlet Scarlet Redemption Part One. Really happy Ooh. about that. Awesome! Yeah, that's a great that's a great run. But most most uh, Moon Knight back issues that I see are uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight here. Yep. Do you yeah. get? Did you see any of the the later ones, like from fifty onwards, the Stephen Platt one? Because they're kind of really hard to find. Uh, what uh, what kind of arcs did that cover? Um, I may have um. I think the uh, oh what was he called? Um, I think I think it was around Infinity Crusade onwards. Oh, hmm. Yeah. Is is uh is Secret Empire before or after that? Oh no, Secret Empire is way after that. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So sorry, Mark Spector finished. Um, yeah, back back in the back in the nineties. Um, I think it finished with issue sixty or so. Um, but yeah, but apparently a lot of the uh, art was done by Stephen Platt, who looked very much like Todd McFarlane, um, kind of art. And, uh, anyway, uh, a lot of his issues were worth a pretty penny because, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, it would have been good if you found them in the, in the dollar bins, I tell you. Yeah, I'll check one of I'll check those out if uh, <laughs> there's another convention. Yeah, yeah. but um, so how so how long do you spend, like take us through like a day in the convention? Is it is that a whole day thing? Do you go in multiple days or? Uh, 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 usually, uh, for the actual, there's uh, let's see, <clears throat> there's two types of conventions that. Uh, happen set, uh, by separate organizations. Mm-hmm. The first one is the main one, the Comic Con, uh, mm-hmm. spelled K O M I K O N. It's uh, it's usually two days, but last uh, summer Comic Con was just one day. I I haven't I didn't attend because my budget was so freaking low. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that time, but. Yeah, usually it's, uh, it's a really big convention. It takes to uh, one big convention hall, I think. It's really, it's really fun. Oh, sorry. It's really fun there. Yeah. Because uh, bes- besides comics, there, sure, uh, there are artists uh, doing commissions, stickers, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes paraphernalia. Uh, Stuff like mugs, keychains, t-shirts, mm-hmm. and 
sometimes there are also guys who sell notebooks and uh, games, tabletop. Okay. Or card games, yeah. And the second one is the smaller organization, which is Comicat. Uh, most uh, most frequent uh, sitters there are uh, the indie indie ones, mm-hmm. and both both orgs uh, organize uh, award awarding and stuff. And yeah, they're the con- the content the the exhibitors. Um, there are really, really interesting. Actually, okay. it's, it's it's really a shame when you're when you're in the event and your budget is yeah, uh, and you see something you like. And, yeah, man. I think yeah. With those, I mean, like, I've only been to one in my life, but um, you really have to make sure your your wallet is fat and full, <laughs> you know, to yeah, to enjoy true. because I mean that's it, isn't it? It's all about buying stuff um that you may not necessarily see from your local store so um yeah so i can imagine but it'd still be fun thing to go through uh, are there many um cosplayers there do you see or mm. most cosplayers are going to cosplay events and i don't really frequent cosplay events here okay but, uh, so sometimes they keep... they're so sorry, they keep them separate, do they? So cosplayers don't really go to the conventions at all. It's like a separate thing. Uh, uh, uh sometimes they go. Uh, okay. May, maybe more frequent when free comic book day arrives. Right. I've uh, last two years. Uh, I've seen cosplayers waiting in the line. Okay. Yeah, kind of pretty. Uh, free comic book day is uh, kind of big in one in one store in here. Yeah, they, set, they give out like free books. Yeah, free, free. I love yeah. free comic book day. It, it's a great celebration, and you know it's good because um, we spoke to uh, Nicola Scott uh, last year. Oh. I think it was. Um, she was at our local comic book store. And she was saying it's a great event. It is important because it brings out like creators like herself come over, come and talk um, and meet fans. But also it happens at the same time all over the world. So it's really, um, this really is a, a celebration for all comic book fans. And I, I absolutely love Free Comic Book Day as well because not only do you get, yeah, you do get free comics and all that. Uh, generally the stores put on a sale um, but it's just it's just alive with activity and it's really fun. Um, Truly, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, and and, um, and uh, people signing stuff you mentioned and special guests. Had you have you seen anyone like really famous in the conventions that you went to? Oh, uh, the conventions that I go to are mostly local mm-hmm. creators, okay, and they're. There are really ones. Uh, let's see. Uh, the most, the most. Mm, let Let's say. Uh, I can't. I don't know how to phrase this. Mm-hmm. The most. Mm, what you call it? Oh man. Uh, there is this this one uh, comic creator that has 
has been an anchor for Marvel for so long. His name oh. is Jerry Alangitan. Uh-huh. And he has inked Avengers and Star Wars, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I think... Uh, but we, ha- we we do have artists like... Oh, they're uh, plenty. They're plenty. It's amazing how many Filipino artists are out there. Yeah. And they're all good. Like, you know... Uh, sorry, I, I just cut you off there, uh, MK. So you were saying? No, that's okay. Uh, I think uh, one time there was Lionel Yu. Yes, he's Filipino. Not many people probably yeah. know that. Lionel Yu. Yep. Yep. Uh, Mika Sawayan, I've seen. Mika Sawayan is one of my favorite artists. Yeah. yeah. He, d- he did a bit of Moon Knight as well. When was that? Yeah, he did it. He did uh, in the Houston run. Um Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it. Uh, there's a little. Uh, it was the arc after the first, uh, after the bottom, after Houston and Finch. He did the one uh, Midnight Sun. I think it is. It's it's a return of Midnight Jeff Wild. Uh, that's Miko. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Yeah. No fillos, mate. This, uh, this, Top talent. Yeah. <laughs> this, 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 uh, I don't. I don't know if there are other ones. Uh, Will Spatashio. Three are. Sorry. Sorry, Will Spatashio was a big one in the 90s when I was growing up. Uh, so he, he was a big star in Marvel. Uh, he did X-Factor, Uncanny X-Men. Um, Whoa. I think he did, the, he did the first appearance of Bishop um, in the Uncanny oh. X-Men. Uh, he also went on to Image. He, he migrated to Image with, um, with Jim Lee, Tom McFarlane, Eric Larson, Rob Liefeld. And he had an awesome, awesome title. I know Rick Ball special will love this. Uh, he had wet, wet Works. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. Um, uh, MK Wet Works. No, sadly. <laughs> oh, man, do you... forgive this ignorant. No, 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 not not at all. Can I um, ask you a couple of a bit of a pop quiz? Uh, have you ever watched or do you like? Have you ever loved the Predator? Not Predator. You know Arnold Schwarzenegger. No aliens. Do, have you watched Predator? <laughs> Tell me, you've watched Predator. Oh, oh yeah, I've, I've watched the first movie completely, but I haven't. Uh, I don't really remember the second one. Oh no, don't, besides, wor- uh, don't worry about the second one. <laughs> no, no, it's just the first one you got to know because in Wetworks, which is Will Spatashio's one, um, they were a group of of soldiers like like the ones in Predator. Like you know, they all have a character, but they had a symbiote. A gold, like this alien gold symbiote, and it, it covered all their bodies. It protected them. Um, you know, it become it can become really hard if they were injured. It would kind of almost become like a cast over the the injured part of the body. Uh, and yeah, they were basically a a, um, a secret ops unit. Uh, but that was Will Spatashio, um, one of the one of the first Filipino artists I know um, that made his way into to Marvel. But there are so many now. Yeah, I think uh, I I just don't know the others, but yeah, yeah I think there's really many. Yeah, I mean, well, Miko and Lionel are the the t- the two big ones at the moment, but um, yeah, I mean, there are there are a few others, a few others in Valiant as well, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, so sorry, so you, sorry, I went off a massive tangent. Um, so signings over at conventions, you said a lot of them were local talent, right? Oh yeah, they're they're really really friendly and they 
really immersed in the community. If that's what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we'll definitely get into, uh, uh, you know, let's say a couple of these coming up. Uh, <laughs> look, look, why not? Let's um, let's not beat around the bush anymore. I think first we'll go to a break. Let's um, let's just kind of get ourselves settled and recharged. And when we come back, loonies, we'll get into MK's top four uh, books, Desert Island books for the Isle of Ra. So uh, we'll be right back. Hang tight. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Brian. And we are the hosts of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps for all your Ghost Rider needs. Right on. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I uh, am with Midkai and Susan, or MK. S- sorry, Hit Susan, is that right? Uh, Hit Susan. Hit Susan. And uh, yeah, or, or MK uh, for short. And we are going through MK's Isla Ra books. And as you can hear, we are out in the wild wild west and uh for those of you that have followed our isla Raz before you'd know that uh in the show notes there are four encrypted links to mk's books and this is the the first one uh off off the ranks uh it is x factor um and it is number 214 uh so mk First off the bat, why um, why have you chosen this? Look, I love X Factor as well, and and Peter David. Um, but why did you choose this as one of your top books? Uh, actually, this was uh, this issue was one of the first comics I bought physically mm-hmm. after the the one that I talked about uh, the spider the Superman one. And it was yes. And this is this was way way after that, about uh, ten ten plus years, I think. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it kind of broke the drought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I think this was one of the reasons that uh, I one of the issues that made me uh, uh, spark the interest in me about uh, collecting and reading comics again. That's really cool. I mean, and you couldn't have picked a better writer. Look, I am totally biased in uh, in Peter David and in the X Factor run. Now, for readers um, and loonies that don't know too much about it, we're obviously in the Wild West because it is based, this, episode, uh, this issue at least, in the Wild West. And um, it's an interesting... Um, I guess, protagonist for this issue, MK. Um, can you maybe tell a little bit about it to our loony listeners? Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, at the start of the issue, we see uh, Darwin, 
mm-hmm. he's a member of the X Factor. Uh, if you guys don't know him that well, he's uh, Darwin is a mutant that has the ability to just adapt to anything, mm-hmm. but he can't control that ad- adaptation. His body, ju- mm-hmm. his body just manifests. He's a really cool mutant, actually, uh, and I really like how he's used in this issue. Um, so, yeah, so there have been instances uh, pre- prior to this, I believe, or it might be even after it, where Darwin, say, come up against the Incredible Hulk, and uh, he could actually, um, you know, sustain punches from the Hulk by... Um, what, what happened? Um, are you familiar with that as well, uh, MK? about uh, Darwin and the Hulk. There's something really weird. His body adapted, but really weird. I think it teleported him somewhere else instead. <laughs> like, I think uh, yeah, as you say, that. he has... Yeah, it's like he's got no control over it, but his body just does stuff to obviously help him. And I think with the Hulk, um, the, the body must have just thought, yep, yeah, the best thing for him is to get away. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, really, really interesting power. Uh, and he was featured shortly in um i believe it was x-men first class yes he was in first class uh, shame about what happened yeah. to that character though yeah <laughs> really under underutilized i think and the potential yeah wasn't there but obviously he's not like a top tier character but yeah anyway so sorry um uh so as we go through through this story uh, mk we see darwin obviously in the wild west and uh he finds himself in a bit of a predicament doesn't he yeah, it's 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 just really weird. He was just uh, contemplating com- contemplating in the desert, and there go- just appears a lady asking for help. Behind her is some sort of a, a, a dragon mm-hmm. uh, cat hybrid. I don't know how to <laughs> I don't know how to describe it's very... this one. Oh, very strange. It's a very strange. It's, it's just a. I, I just took it as like some sort of yeah, demon dragon. <laughs> uh, although uh, later in the issue, uh, its name is given. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah, okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, Dar- Darwin has no choice but to fight the the creature. Uh, and what's really. And here we see a manifestation of his ability. Uh, mm. Darwin Darwin describes that the scales of this cr- creature burn too hot to the touch, but yes, his skin automatically thickens to provide them protection. Yes. Uh, but then it goes to. What you call that? They rumble and tussle here and there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I think he breathes fire somewhere. Um, not, not no, no, yet. no, no, no. He didn't breathe fire. His his no. mouth just just uh, seems like it's able to breathe. Fire. It's glowing. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's glowing. It's got like a golden tongue, um, or something like that. But um, yeah, yeah. But Darwin kind of dispenses with him uh, in a, in a quite a graphic way. <laughs> oh sorry. yeah, he uh, he, he, he sorry he breaks his um, breaks his jaw. 
uh, and just incapacitates him. Um, so we get a good... A good glimpse uh, about his power. Yes, we do. Uh, and good to see him in action. Uh, yeah, and this is a really good tale, although it isn't... Um, per se, about X Factor, the team. You, you get a good sense of Darwin himself. Um, and just wondering, uh, MK as well, so this obviously um, kind of furthered your interest in X Factor as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this this was the gateway. Actually, mm-hmm. I, when I bought this one, uh, I... I... I bought it with 213, so 213 okay. was uh, quite quite of a pro- prologue to this issue mm-hmm. because uh, okay. uh, several issues before uh, the the team the X Factor had a encounter with Hell Hila Hila the God oh, yes. Norse yeah. Goddess of Death and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madrox just went with the plan of making Hila face with Darwin and oh. yeah Madrox was counting on Darwin's ability to adapt to work against Hila and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that really was a surprise and and as a consequence of that encounter it left Darwin somehow change uh, mentally and mystically I think because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he senses uh, he senses things related to death right now uh, yeah okay right uh, starting in yeah in the previous issue okay and did you get that oh, so you got that issue the same time as you got 2000 oh, sorry 214 right yeah so these two issues were kind of these two issues were the gateway for you to X Factor. Yeah, yeah. And so was yeah, okay. And so was Darwin. Um, so I'm wondering, like, was it the writing or was it the characters that really interested you uh, in X Factor? Like you mentioned, two thirteen had multiple man, one of my favourites. Um, yeah, did you find him interesting or Darwin interesting? That you know that kind of um, caused you to to dive into X Factor more. Mm, let's say uh, I found the dynamic of the team really interesting the characters and how they interacted as, as I always uh, say I describe the this run of X Factor as the dysfunctional functional team with Mad, mm-hmm. with Madrox in this run was very very what you call uh, was very indecisive at points mm-hmm. that the the drama was because of his indecisiveness about things and such yeah. and you got really pretty strong personalities with Monet 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 is it? Yes. Do I, did I yeah pre- Monet yeah. yeah Monet Siren and yeah. I love Siren as well yeah she's good the others just joining in later on. Well, actually, Darwin just joined later on the run. He did, yeah. He he, he came a bit later. Um, God, let me see if I can try to remember this off the top of my head. There was a... Was it around the Secret Invasion? Oh, yeah. Um, 
era that he yeah so there was that arc with him uh and his dad right i think there was yeah. this, uh, you kind of got a little origin yeah i mean that's when i first came across darwin um very interesting character uh, and actually I wouldn't put him. It's funny because I'm, I'm more the classic back in the '90s and stuff. I wouldn't put him as the one of the the team members, but he's certainly very interesting, uh, and I would love to see more of him. I mean, as we go just further through this story, as well. Again, we see more of his um, adapting to situations, uh, and Peter David does this really well. I think he really does give a good highlight. So we have um, Darwin shot basically. Through the stomach. Um, yeah, it's a really by fun, one of these fun panels. Yeah, and but you know, you know he's going to be okay, and he gets up, uh, and he's kind of already healing. But then the guy just shoots him in the head and just blows his head off. Um, and this shows the power of Darwin. Uh, he's still alive, and I found it hilarious. He, his head is forming from his body, um, from this, and it kind of just like. From the stomach, and it kind of moves upwards into his. Uh, it's a really weird um, thing, but he's quite a powerful mutant if you come to think about it. He, he's, you know, um, I can't remember. Do you know what happened to him? Like, do you know what what's happened to him currently? Oh, uh, I'm not that updated about the former members of X Factor for now. Mm. Uh, I'm actually okay. curious about where he's up to, what he's up to right now. Yeah. Where is he? Yeah, me but too. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's certainly very. I mean, he's one of. He was created. I'm assuming he, he wasn't. He's not like a, a. He has. Was, he wasn't created long ago. I think he's a recent, relatively recent, uh, creation. Um, dare I say, maybe somewhere between the end of the '90s to 2000s. I think he he, he was probably created. Um, but yeah, I mean, considering now that we've seen in Matt Rosenberg's. Uh, New Mutants and Uncanny X-Men, the likes of uh, Strong Guy and uh, and Madrox. Uh, and um, in the New Mutants, there was uh, Rain, uh, Wolfsbane was there as well with Richter. Um, there was a lot of love for X-Factor there, but um, it would be interesting to see what happens or what has happened to Darwin since then. Um, but yeah, anyway, so just to tie up, so this is one of your... Um, you know, this is in your top four, but so we'll go through this kind of quickly. Uh, so it, this ends up being kind of like a dream for Darwin, I, I, I believe. Um, can you remember what happens afterwards beyond two, two fourteen, MK? Uh, uh, actually, is this something? It, this this issue sorry. was uh, kind of a prologue to to what would happen after. Uh, but it's I, I've forgotten already how many issues uh, after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, mm, because uh, I know this is connected to uh, Rain's pregnancy. Okay. During right. this run, because uh, yeah. yeah, that was a really interesting uh, arc. I think because. Rain got, uh, you know, you got uh, Richter and Rain with a past relationship, and then mm-hmm. Rain just pops up, pops out all of a sudden after her uh, involvement with the X Force, and she says she's pregnant, and maybe Richter's the father. They find mm-hmm. they find out in that uh, encounter with Hila that 
Rain was actually yes. pregnant with uh, Wolf Norse God, I think. I, I've forgotten the name. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've forgotten all about, all about that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just remember Siren being pregnant and... Oh, that, you know, that, was, baby. that was trippy, man. That was very trippy and very terrible. Really, um, can you imagine? Saddening. Yeah, and can you imagine the the trauma um, for both of them? Um, what happened there with their child? Um, and for loonies that don't know, basically, Siren gives birth, uh, and Jamie has a look and uh, to welcome his new baby, uh, and he absorbs it, and it's gone. So, uh, very terrible stuff there. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm familiar with um, with Rain's pregnancy. But um, yeah, anyway, um, yeah. I mean, like, is there anything um, further for for two fourteen you'd like to add as to what made it really special? The art is really good. Um, uh, Peter Dave's writing, I always think, is really good. A- anything else that you? I think uh, the thing that I like about this issue too was the mystery that shrouded it because uh it 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 was really a setup for a f- uh the future arc of rain and her mm. and her baby and yeah. actually the the guy that was that shot darwin was hinted to be rain's kid oh that's right yes yes that's right yes yeah okay so that that actually does make um a lot of sense now tying it in to rain's thing because yeah yeah i remember reading that as well there is that connection there um so yeah yeah no interesting interesting stuff um i love the wild westerns do you like westerns as well mk oh uh i i can't say i don't like them but uh Let's say I haven't had enough exposure to really okay. like them a lot. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, they I don't know, they're just fun. And there's, yeah, these the showdowns and, um, yeah. yeah. It had a really good feel, I think, this issue for that. Um, and it's always novel to kind of bring it in um, to comics and use it on mutants or, you know, whoever. Um, or Avengers, or it's yeah, really cool. Um, yeah, so that was one of your top four books, MK. Um, I'd like to now turn to another one as we move up your ladder of books. Now this is we're starting to get into rather, I don't know how you would say, um, kind of harder to access ter- territory. Um, so this next book is. And correct me, please, if my pronunciation's incorrect. Uh, Sagala. Yes, that you're pronouncing it right. Excellent. Um, so this is Sagala, um, and this is a Filipino comic. Uh, is that right? It's very much in the style of like anime, right? But it's Filipino based. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so why I mean this was a this was a good read. I had a, a good read of this and thank you so much for supplying um a copy to to read. You're uh, welcome. And although it might be a little difficult for some loonies to uh to sample themselves, I mean of course there are some loonies in the Philippines, I'm sure we'll be able to um to grab a copy of this. Um but first of all, why um why did you choose this one as your top four? Um uh, 
I wa- uh, actually the when I first uh, saw this uh, book when I was on a convention, I was really I was drawn to it with the premise because it was a historical fiction, and I don't mm-hmm. I didn't see historical fiction that much often besides. Uh, uh, most mostly, most of our fiction draws its uh, source from the mythological creatures that uh, are really abundant in stories in here. Mm-hmm. And I will, which I will tell more, much more in detail in fourteen later on. And the, mm. the pre- oh, hang on. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, uh, anyway, hopefully no one noticed that one. <laughs> that was uh, our uh, your top one, which we'll get to, of course. Um, but yes, yes, uh, that would be very interesting to get. I'd really love to pick your brain about that one. But uh, yeah, yeah. So this is. I didn't know this was based on historical. Uh, I thought it was a, a rather rich story. Um, but I can I can see it being um, tied with with history. Yes, it, actually, it is a historic fictional take on our history. Uh, mm-hmm. Philippines used was used uh, used to be a Spanish colony back then, and mm-hmm. the parallel to the story is uh, really kind of obvious if you are aware of Philippine history of our country's mm-hmm. history and mm-hmm. uh, the, basically the premise of this book is uh, as said in the back cover of back cover bullets betrayals and bells of the ball uh, we have our protagonists in here the the siblings the mm-hmm. the girl Riel is a uh, assistant of the gunsmith that's why she knows how to handle guns even if she's a girl and mm-hmm. her brother Constantino is a uh, uh, guard uh, let's say it's described as Sar- Sargento of the Guardia Civil but mm-hmm. he ends up as a personal guard for an ambassador for the uh, Spanish equivalent of their of their of the story, which mm-hmm. which is the Hiraya. Uh, the ambassador he's Constantino is uh, assigned to guard is uh, named Corrido, and he's. Actually, a special uh, son of the king, I think. I forgot. And he... Uh, he's, he's different because he... He's from an elf-like race called Kinari in this story. Mm-hmm. And uh, another important uh, character in this book is Awit, uh, a Cartesian. Uh, close to Corrido and she let's just say she has something of in her sleeve that we don't know just fully just yet yeah she seemed quite uh, I don't want to say shady but she seemed uh, 
uh, yeah, that she was up to something. Definitely, that's what I took from from reading this. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um. Sorry. Uh. Yeah. You first. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I was just gonna say. Um. Very. Uh, like I found this. Um. Uh, very interesting. It's funny. I, yeah, I didn't know it was historically tied. Um, uh, I thought it was a really um, good. They set they set the the world uh, really well, like in the introduction. Um, and as you mentioned, yeah. So to me, I was just reading as as fiction, right? Like so, they 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 set this society up, which was um, which was really good. And and the um, the the thing I was really impressed with reading this was uh, I guess the drama uh, the drama between the characters I mean you, you get the four uh, the four main characters which were featured uh, yeah um, in profile as you as you kind of gone through them uh, and they all have their little you know their little quirks and um, and I guess faults you say but they also have like with Credo and Awit um, there's I know, some scheming or something happening so uh yeah it made for a really good a really good drama thing like very different from the x factor uh, issue i thought <laughs> mk um so you you've been very a very varied um you know two books so far um with it um so apart from the historical stuff what what else drew you in uh, um when you when you saw this at the convention mm it's uh besides for the historical stuff i think the fictional aspect is uh utilized very well because uh besides of the parts of uh of the history that has been taken as part of the reference the mm-hmm. the fictional parts are Really, really good, especially uh, mm-hmm. in chapter three. This is because mm-hmm. this is chapter two. Uh, in chapter nice. in chapter three, we see more more detail on the elf uh, elf like attributes of Corrido, and we see something mm-hmm. really, really. Uh, let's say it's it's really nice to look at, but it's a sad. A sad part of Corrido as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, stuff that you look at, uh, at the characters, and you kind of feel sorry for them as well. Like even young uh, Riel, 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 yes, um, Riel. Yeah, I mean, even there's that that kind of social thing where she goes to the ball uh, and she meets other people there, but. You know, it's not long before she notices that they kind of discriminate her because of her her class, her background, um, and yeah. And then, you know, there's also um, her her brother, right? Um, yes. And he, you kind of get the sense growing up that he, um, I don't know, how would you describe it? He um, he he kind of fails. <laughs> I mean, like he he he's scared or um he doesn't hasn't no he lacks a bit of courage or something um yeah i don't don't know how to describe it let's let's say he was uh 
from what what I understand from the story, let's say he was thrust into a role so abruptly that he had hadn't had the time to uh, enjoy his childhood very well because yeah. they were orphaned, uh, abandoned as kids, especially Riel's. Uh, Riel was very young when they were abandoned, so uh, Constantino had to pick up the slack and uh, def- uh, protect her sister at all costs. Yes. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, no, th- there was a thing I was alluding to, I guess when he was young, he'd, he'd almost be seen like as a cry, a cry baby uh, as well. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he had, he had it hard. He had to obviously bring up, um, support his younger sister, baby sister back at that stage. So, um, yeah, it's a really interesting kind of um, insight into these these main characters. Um, the art I thought was really good as well. Um, it, it kind of it kind of goes between really sketchy art, uh, like just almost like outlines, and then more fully formed art, which I think is it looks really good. Like um, it kind of evokes. Um, uh, yeah, a, a, I don't know. It, it evokes a bit of style um, by by having it almost like with the sketchy art being like memories or or it's um, I don't know. Yeah, did did you like the art? Yeah, the, uh, one of the reasons that uh, I also picked up this book was because I like the uh, let's say the combination of the uh, sketchy and the more mm. fully formed art. Yeah, yeah it, it's pleasing to look at, at least, uh, in my opinion. It's a really good effect. I think. That, I think. Um, who who's the artist here? Let me see. Uh, uh, it's Tori Tadiar. Okay. Oh, Tori. Yeah, yeah. On the front cover there. Uh, really nice. I really do like it. And and uh, even with the layouts, with the the text, um, you even good. You even get it. Um, one of the first pages here as well, where the art, it's almost just like freestyle. Like, you know, there aren't any panels and it's just one big page and there's like a montage of, of um, just outlined um, drawings and the text is kind of not inhibited in any boxes. It's just kind of like there. And it gives it more of a, I don't know, it's a, you know, you, you dispense with the, the word balloons and stuff and, and I don't, it, it gives a really nice effect to it. Yeah, the yeah the speech bubbles were really uh, put uh, r- really well, and it's like uh, it's natural naturally. Uh, let's say it's not obstructing to the art. No, that's why no. it's pleasing to look at, even yeah. with the text. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and yeah, so I guess the most of it. How would how would you summarize this chapter two? I mean, for oh. me, having read, it's it's kind of like you know there's just a lot of drama between the characters. Uh, <laughs> I could, um, yeah. Uh, actually, I pick, oh sorry, uh, I picked this book because of the uh, the first page we we have uh, let's say world building dump of text. And mm. it's yeah, for me, it's really good to explore that part because in chapter one, it's just uh, 
let's say an introduction introduction of, of the characters uh, mm-hmm. but for me chapter two is where the story starts really rolling mm. because uh, we see we see a glimpse of Constantino and Rial's past that some somehow has Uh, they have something that's integral to the part uh, to the story because they're hinted to be uh, nobles of some sort before they were abandoned mm-hmm. and you've got Corrido and Awit who have their schemes uh, each to yeah, their so own what's happening yeah so what, what's happening with them further on down there? Like how many chapters are there, and, and what what are they heading towards? Uh, uh, for uh, as of now, their uh, last uh, last time I saw the story in the convention, there were just three uh, chapters for now. But mm, okay, uh, chapter three, as I've said earlier, uh, explores uh, Corrido. And his mission, mm-hmm. uh, yes. His mission, let's say, he's looking for something uh, hidden in the continent. And uh, actually, it involves some mystical parts to it, the fictional part to it, because in that chap- yeah, yeah, in that chapter he encounters a. Uh, What you call that? Uh, Lamia, right? Uh, snake lady, to to be. Oh, okay. Yeah, something like that. He encounters yeah. encounters such a creature in that episode, in that chapter, and it it uh, tells us that his mission is uh, much more there's something more at stake and mm-hmm. uh, that's for Corrido and Awit as for Awit uh, she's her schemes are more on uh, guarding what Corrido is scheming and I really think she has some sort of connection to uh, Constantino's family as well because okay there's this one panel that that has her saying this the son tastes just like his father only sweeter like oh yeah 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 I That's was right. I was really surprised so, uh, so she has she has come across him before Um, it's funny though because she's drawn quite looks she she looks quite young. You yeah, know? she's um, really drawn quite. Uh, I mean, not young, young, yeah. but like she she doesn't. Yeah, she still looks you know in her prime. Kind um, of so, yeah. less now. Hmm. <laughs> oh, because I was also wondering about um, yeah, Corrido and so like um, getting into more of those as you said the the mystical aspects because he's an elf right and i wondered if the other chapters um kind of fleshed that out a bit more and in our is she she's not is she a human 
She's a human, right? Uh, yeah, she's a human, but yeah. more of a... Uh, let's see. Uh, I think she's a, more of a spy that's posing as a Cartesian. Uh, okay. Uh, I, yeah. Because uh, this story, uh, this chapter really hints that uh, she she had something to do with Constantino Real's father. That she was, yes. he had something that she want she wanted or her superiors wanted. Yeah. That's why she took him off. But. Yeah, yeah. The mystery and the intrigue. It, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's all speculation for now, but uh, yeah, it's really. Exciting. And so this is is this is this kind of current? Like you mentioned, they're up to chapter three. Uh, is chapter three was that re- released not long ago? Mm, let's say last year, I think. Okay. Yeah. No. That's yeah. Very very recent. Okay. No, and then how long, how regular were these chapters coming out? Mm. Uh, I actually buy them whenever, whenever I see them at conventions. So whenever, mm-hmm. uh, and they schedule, and the artists usually schedule it uh, around convention time. So yeah. whenever yeah. they confirm that. Uh, their a new chapter is finished. They they usually announce announce that they will sell the new chapter during a convention or whenever mm. if they have a platform online. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, did you, so uh, that was my next question as well. Just before we we move on, or we'll have a a quick break before we get to your top two. But um, is there a is there any way, any way that loonies can can order this online? Or, Actually, um, there or? there is, but uh, I think you have to buy it from uh, Gumroad. The Gumroad, okay. yes. I think it's Gumroad. Okay, no worries. Well, uh huh. We'll we'll be sure to um, loonies put a, a a link. In order to, in case you are interested in Sagala, it is a very, uh, a very cool read. Um, if you do love, uh, I guess, dynamics between characters and and drama and intrigue, this is very much for you. It's not, uh, as I said before, it's very different from the action-packed um, heads being blown off uh, giant dragons of of X Factor uh, two fourteen. So MK is given a nice variety here for his. Isla Ra books. Um, look, before we go to a quick break, MK, is there anything you want to add to Sagala um, that you liked about it that that made it you choose it in your Isla Ra books? Mm, I think we got it all covered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No worries. Well, anyway, Looney's definitely uh, check it out, and as mentioned, we'll chuck it in the show notes there for you to see if you can purchase yourself uh anyway we'll take a quick break before we quickly change locations again and uh and we'll be back with mk's top two isla ra books see you soon 
Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to episode 99 of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is our Isla Ra sessions, and you are with your host, High Priest of Conchu Ray, and very special guest, Looney MK. Uh, how are you, sir? Good. How are you holding up? Yeah, I'm really good. It's really, it's really great to be here. <laughs> That's good. As you noticed, uh, our surroundings are slightly different. I'm going to probably need, uh, as we get to it, need you to probably explain a lot here. We are in the deep depths of, I don't know if you'd call it hell or not. I mean, we were in hell one Isla Ra sessions with, uh, with another loony. Uh, we're in this odd place now, which will be your number one book. Um, so as you can hear, loonies, there are some weird, weird things happening in and around us. But before we get into that, we've got to cover your second top book. And I'm very proud and happy to mention to you, loonies, that MK has chosen issue 194 of Moon Knight. Yes, that's right. Mooney has got a mention in this Isla Ra and uh, this is off the Max Bemis run, uh, and it was a one-off, um, and for the, I don't know, 2% of loonies that perhaps don't know about this issue, MK, um, can you give us a rundown? Why did you choose this issue? And uh, well, actually, first off, what is it about, in, in summary? Uh, issue, let's see, issue 194 of Moon Knight has marked, um, uh, describing to Frenchie uh, maybe the first instances uh, that caused his, the the downward spiral of his mental illness or his disorder and it takes back to when Mark was still young and still uh, let's say Proudly Jewish, mm-hmm. and uh, he tells of he tells of the story of his dad and this one guy in his uh, in his Jew- in the Jewish con- community. Uh, mm-hmm. His name was Rabbi Yitz Perlman. And he came off to Mark as really it was as a really really funny guy. Uh, he ta- he describes him as the the friend their grandfather uh, came with to America long ago after uh, after or. Uh, during the war mm-hmm. and um, he became kind of Mark's favorite person in the Jewish community that he he 
uh, spends his time there more than with his father and one one day when he decided he mark decides to come early at rabbi yitz place and he discovers a trapdoor which led him to uh, a much more darker discovery that rabbi yitz wasn't the man that he uh, he thought he knew Mm, definitely not (laughs) yeah this is a very um, very dark and and we have covered this uh, in our show before and and, uh, there are a lot of loonies that this has made quite a big impact uh, on Um, and yeah anyway so Yitz turns out to be um, Ernst who we know from the later run um, is something of a antagonist to Mark uh, but this ent- this issue throws up plenty of interesting facts about about Mark Spector MK and 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 the um, Max Bemis really does start exploring a bit more of it um, the one thing for me uh, apart from Ernst who, who is is a quite a formidable foe uh, is uh, the revelation of Mark's dad uh, and although all bit, this may be kind of twisting the canon or not, I'm not sure, but uh, about his dad having his own mental problems, um, which could very much be, you know, an explanation of where Mark kind of gets his as well. Yeah, I really like the uh, this uh, issue that they uh, be mis. Uh, explored a bit uh, where the lore hadn't really explored before in Marx's mm-hmm. past, which yeah. yeah, that his dad and his involvement in the the Jewish community once and Ernst Ernst was a really really good addition to the lore for me. Very dark, uh, and what we see here is that he basically, I guess, to um, to stay young or to stay alive, he kills people. Um, yeah, so it really takes a dark turn, especially in that cellar. Uh, a little bit graphic as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's really sadistic. Um, it's a, so why did you? I mean, what what drew you? Uh, in, into this was it that very fact about the exploration of law or was, was it um, uh, I don't know was it just a memorable issue for you because it certainly is a memorable issue for um, people besides besides the lore that was explored a bit more expanded a bit more uh, I, really, I really like the the, fa- the how how this issue uh, let's say expanded on the trauma kind of kind of explained a bit about the trauma uh, this issue uh, this event had on Mark that contributed to what he became later on yeah and yeah it uh, I think this was really one of the factors that 
uh, started the the uh, issues Mark had with with his mental stability. Mm. You see, he kind of um, kind of becomes a sadist, I think. Um, yeah, there, there's a bit of that. He does tap into his violent side, which which has always been alluded to um, in his previous, um, you know, previous canon about him, uh, you know, obviously eventually going into the military uh, and and in boxing and stuff like that because he's actually good at hurting people, um, and and so this is a nice tie into that. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, that. Uh, that is uh, this issue did a really really good repre- representation of Mark's uh, kind of natural attunement for aggression I think mm. yeah uh, even at a young age you see him he has a go at Ernst and um, <laughs> there's some shots there where he almost looks like he enjoys it but he afterwards he's surprised at all the blood on his hands and yeah he, almost as if surprised at how how well how much he's achieved um so uh yeah no a very uh, a very strong issue uh, i'm glad you chose a, a moon knight issue as well okay it's uh you know we are a moon knight podcast it is great i'm <laughs> um, not to say that you have to but um it was a, it was a good issue too uh, have you have you read all the other uh, most of the other runs or have you tried the other older older runs mm, i haven't had my hands on the really old runs yet and mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'll be when I have the budget. I'll go for a run. Uh, I'll go for finding the trades when I see them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because the comic shops here are really kind of limited, so I have to. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no worries. That's totally understandable. Uh, look, I want to leave a bit of space now, obviously, to talk about your main, uh, your main book. Um, so let's, you know, let's head straight into it. I know that you've got a lot to talk about here. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so uh, as as MK alluded to a little earlier, his number one Isla Ra book is another uh, Filipino comic. Uh, it's called Fourteen, as you mentioned, um, and. Uh, the, the the creator it's in running writing on the front uh, in cursive so I'm not sure if I read it properly is it Mannix Abrera? Uh, you're correct ah, excellent so um, I assume does he do the story and the art as well? Or? yes he does the story and the art excellent and this was uh, oh and, and of course I see that he um, he actually he got a signed copy there uh, and 2017's yeah, he, yeah. he's a really great guy Really humble. Now <laughs> uh, no, it, it was a really good read. Uh, it's a, again a very different. So you've fantastic. These four books, uh, MK. You, you've picked very four diverse books, and and this one, um, I was <laughs> funnily enough, it reminded me of the interview we had with Jason Burroughs where we talked about the silent interlude, GI Joe. I, I was settling myself down, getting ready to go through and have a good read of uh, what you sent me, 14. Uh, and it is a great read, but a lot of it is, well, dare I say, all of it is visual. <laughs> so Yeah, it's it, a silent it, comic. It's a silent comic. Um, 
and uh, it's a really good, you know, uh, a really good telling. Uh, this is a hard one to explain. There, there seems to be a lot of, uh, how shall I say, uh, there'll be a lot of symbolism in it, uh, and there's a lot of surreal surrealism um, in it as well. So I can probably leave it to you, MK, to describe what, what is happening in this in this comic. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, this uh, 14 actually starts with uh, a scene where the main the main protagonist uh, actually used most of his of Manix comics characters are nameless except for a select few. So let's just say the main guy. He uh, we see him. Uh, Arrive at, at a building while it's raining, uh, probably up to his apartment, and he takes an elevator uh, up to. Uh, it's kind of hard to see, but that's uh, 14th floor, probably where he lives. And as uh, as he waits for the elevator to go up, the elevator stops at the fifth floor and he's surprised to see no one entering as and uh, as he wipes his uh, sweat from his bro he suddenly not notices two small beings that we Filipinos call uh, duende or okay uh, it's like the uh, our counterpart for gnomes, but much gnomes, smaller. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And and uh, so it immediate, immediately goes a bit crazy from here. Doesn't yeah. It? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in the sixth floor, uh, he in ca- uh, there's a mother and I don't know if it's a son or daughter. Uh, tandem of uh, what we call uh, Manananggal. It's okay. it's a creature that, for the most part, it looks human, but it can split its body and grow wings, and it just leaves the lower half as it flies for food, which is uh, usually human entrails. <laughs> this, is, well, this is making like funnily enough Lunis, this is making a little bit more sense to, to me now because uh, I didn't realise they were mythological characters this is awesome this is great yeah. to learn about yeah yeah uh, so yeah I just thought I, th- I just thought she was a, a demon or a devil or something but anyway yeah 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 the, the creatures in here are based on our uh, mythological lore uh, that's so cool yeah, yeah. and the let's see the the manananggal uh, presses the thirteenth floor button, so <laughs> you can see you can see here the main guy is just wet, just pouring on his forehead. And yes. uh, on the ninth floor, uh, there comes in what what we call a capre. It's uh like our counterpart for. Giants, but much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. smaller. Uh, okay. Cap- capres are s- 
uh, are said to be found uh, to be lurking and living inside uh, tall dark trees uh, tall mm, you know the okay the broad ones that you can't really see the yes in, the things inside yes yes and okay are they, are they evil uh most most for the most part they are new uh neutral in alignment okay but okay. if they have something they like like as a girl yeah they get really aggressive i think okay yeah uh, Uh, and at the eleventh floor, there comes in. Uh, uh, actually, this is one of the common, more more common appearances of ghosts in our country. Okay. With uh, that's why we call them white ladies because they are just Jeez, uh, pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, dressed dressed in white, and yeah. actually the veil is uh, optional, but he just left it there. I think the veil makes it actually. Um, Faluni's uh, so. What MK is saying is that the Filipino ghosts, in general, um, are like you know white ladies, and uh, there's a visual here of um, just a person draped in white with a white veil that you can't see. Over. They're very spooky indeed, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and who's this little fella? He's on the twelfth yeah. floor. He's little boggly, goggly eyes. <laughs> Uh, actually, uh, that's what we call uh, Tianak. Uh, uh-huh. It's it's a pecu- peculiar creature uh, for me because uh, Tianaks are produced when uh, when unborn babies are. Uh, uh, I know. Uh, I don't know if. It's stillborn or the aborted ones, yes. but it they oh. describe describe it as the malice, the malice oh. that's uh, concentrated on the God. the the vessel of the baby. That's why that's freaky. Yeah. Jeez, okay. I mean, and, and having sorry, um, having said all that as well, the art is very different because um, uh, the art is not like uh, your typical. I don't know superhero comic art. It's done in a um, in like a cartoon fashion. So uh, so I'm sure like you know if this was drawn by dare I say I don't know MK um, David Finch or um, you know uh, who else um, <laughs> Smallwood and, and Smallwood. I, yeah, even Smallwood would do it. A very um, or, or actually Paul Davidson who was on Moon Knight. He'd probably or Jason Burroughs. They'd draw very scary, horrific-looking characters. Uh, these are like you know quite scary, but um, the the art is very stylized. Would you say MK as well? It, it is very kind of like our, our main protagonist is um, is almost literally kind of like an outline, right? With with two dots for eyes, and um, but very cool looking. Yeah, it's uh, actually this is really Mannix's art style. Uh, as, mm-hmm. But he uh, can choose to be more specific, like give mm-hmm. give details for the clothes or for the yeah. looks. But for the more for the most part, he draws just like this. 
Yeah, I like it. Yeah. It's just very, it's very, um, yeah, as I said, stylized, uh, and it gives a particular style to the whole, the whole story. It's really, really. I can imagine it as a animation, actually, like as a something to watch. Actually, there have been attempts to. Uh, there has been a commercial involving Manix uh, that animated his characters. The oh, okay. Yeah, it's a yeah. It's, it's a really good. Uh, animation, but for the long run, I don't think he has plans for animating his okay. comics yet. Yeah, but I don't right. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so anyway, so had um so what happened to our young protagonist here? Uh, uh, he goes down the elevator. Oh yeah, he he he's stuck at the elevator, but then all of those occupants besides him uh, go off the thirteenth floor, and mm-hmm. uh, well, curiosity his curious curiosity got the better of him, and he walks off the elevator and discovers that the thirteenth floor is connected to somewhere. Uh, I don't know how to explain this uh, mystical mm-hmm. plane, or yes. which is where we are now. But incidentally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the the the, myth, the mystical creatures have gathered. Uh, I don't know if there's a celebration or something, mm-hmm. but they seem to have gathered on that uh, that place, and the protagonist just. Wanders, uh, looks around, and finally uh, observes uh, the the most of the creatures converging at one area, and it and there seems to be a storytelling that's about to happen. There's a manananggal perch on a high rock with uh, overlooking the creatures who are waiting to listen for the story. And we start with the first uh, storytelling session because 14 is actually a comic of uh, 14. Uh, said fourteen stories, but se- or seven. Oh, yeah, that would make yeah. sense. Okay. Uh, let's see. One, two, wait a sec. Four, five, six. Uh, eight stories, uh, all all told by the uh, uh, representative of each of the mythical mytholo- mythological creatures, and the f- the first story is uh, from the Manananggal. Yeah. Uh, and her story goes like this: uh, There's a girl. Uh, a young girl that's being avoided by her peers and a speech bubble say, uh, shows us that they're 
uh, uh, they think that the girl is a manananggal then <laughs> the girl stares at the, the the guys talking and they are scared and people are avoiding the girl every time at school uh, in the yes. classroom in recess uh, when going home and we see a panel in here that pretty that shows us that yeah it's true the girl was a manananggal but there's uh, there's this expression in her face that she didn't uh, that tells that tells me that she didn't want to be this way I think okay. and, and we see her uh, looking at the other kids playing mm-hmm. uh, and she tries to join but they are scared and she's left with a ball and we see a panel of her here uh, in her split body <laughs> mode uh, where she throws the ball at her lower half who then kicks it it's a really fun panel actually it is very uh, <laughs> strange <laughs> then uh, we have a time lapse in here the girl is all uh, grown up now and uh, her place is now a city and we see her here one night uh, just feeding with some <laughs> entrails or, entrails. or intestines <laughs> it, actually it's uh, some manananggals uh, prefer mm, sucking babies out of pregnant moms yeah it's really excellent cool. <laughs> Luckily, we don't see any of that, but uh, there's still yeah. enough uh, enough gore here. Um, she sees a, a person in a car wreck. Which oh, is, yeah. 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 And uh, I found this uh, actually a little uh, quite sad, because actually I didn't know about the mythical creatures here. I thought she was, I don't know, I thought she was some sort of angel before. Um, and she picked, yeah, and she picked up this guy... He was dying, but he obviously only got half a body. So it was, I, I thought it was kind of like a, um, I don't know, out-of-body experience or something for him as he was about to die. And and then you see, you know, there's that panel, the nine panels, where he's having a look and he looks up at her, he smiles, but then he slowly and then closes his eyes and he dies. I think that's quite a... Um, it's really, uh, really sad. Yeah, touching. Yeah, very yeah. touching. Um, but then, and then she kind of I couldn't explain this after <laughs> afterwards uh-uh. MK what, she takes him in and then she she puts him on top of another lower half but he's already dead yeah that's uh, it's uh, quite sad really because I think she uh, she thinks that if she oh is that would, her half yeah. yes that's her half ah if, okay if she puts the guy onto her Half lower half, he would yep. live, and mm. she, she find uh, she. I think she uh, what you call that? She accepts her uh, accepts her reality to be sacrifice herself for for oh, the, so the she, guy so to she, live. 
So she gives away her lower half, basically, and, and stays forever as that kind of floating... Was it Mananangal? Yes. Uh, and uh, the last panels here, uh, we see her uh, flying away towards the mm. sunrise. But yeah. uh, uh, Mananangals are have two weaknesses. It's sunlight and... Sunlight when they're in their, their split form, and mm-hmm. when you put salt in their on their lower half, they can't reattach to it, and they oh, wow. yeah, they they have to accept their fate. To die. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's right, re- it's re- it's really sad because we see her kind of sizzling towards the sunset. Oh, so she sizzles. Okay, and, and, and I was just looking at the corpse, and he kind of just collapses, um, you know. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. uh, he's two halves, and he obviously he doesn't stick to her lower half, and it just looks like he starts the, to wobble. And the lower half sizzles out as well. Ah, okay, so the lower half sizzles away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, and that explains it. That's why he's the top half wobbled. A very, um, a very. See, this is what I was talking about, loonies. It's very surreal, um, but there are some really touching moments there. Like I, I thought that was really, um, yeah, when that that guy was kind of closing his eyes and smiling because uh, he realised he's being carried away by her. That was, uh, that was pretty, pretty touching. Um, but yeah, very surreal stuff and. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, then we go back to wherever it is that we are in, um, and the sermon is still being told to, you know, the goggly-eyed babies and uh, and the ghosts. And the they're they're applauding the Mananangal who told the story. Yeah. So, what the babies called were they? A Tianak? Did you say? Yeah, this a Tianak. Yeah, because I, I I know Anak means um. Is that son or is it like just child? Anak, uh, anak is child. Child, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah, and so they're applauding, and uh, and then what happens? Uh, uh, the it turns yeah. turns back into the girl, uh, the man and the girl. Uh, uh, excuse me. Oh, towards the end. Uh, so the Mananan girl, they cheer, and then she disappears off the rock, but then appears uh, the girl. Mm. Looks like again. Uh, it's an, yeah. it's uh, it's another storyteller. Oh no! Oh, okay, another storyteller, and uh, then we go uh, off into another story. Yes, uh, this actually yes. is what we call a uh, diwata. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's say our counterpart for the fey kind, the fairies. But, okay. Yeah, yeah, our kind, our version. Hmm. So with the next story, okay. So, oh, sorry. Maybe you can just you would mention it. It's a was it a dala dala what? It's a fairy. Uh, it's a diwata. Diwata. Sorry. A yes, diwata. Yes. Okay. So it's kind of like a, a fairy. All right. So and so she starts. Uh, she starts off the next tale here. MK, uh, and this is a yes. tale of love. A tale of love. Yeah, it's a tale of love, uh, a l- tale of love, but you, one that you did not expect to end. I think. Mm. Yeah, and so 
um, I'm just wondering, so at this point, like, obviously the mythology I love, I'm learning a lot about uh, Filipino mythology and, and, you know, I love that sort of stuff. Um, what kind of drew you into 14, into this, this book? Was it because of a, it was a nice collection of stories or um, was it because um, uh, um, Abreris was a, was a really cool dude at the convention or like, how did you come across it and, and become a favourite of yours? Uh, actually, uh, I was uh, previously I was really a fan of uh, Mannix and his mm-hmm. works. Uh, his main comics was uh, is called Kiki Machine, and it's really really fun stuff. He's uh, he's got his own brand of humor that's uh, sometimes forced, some sometimes real, sometimes just. Mm-hmm. Hits you right in the the heart, and you just yeah. laugh with it. And it's his actually. This is his second uh, his second silent comic. That's a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And when this came out, I had uh, I was really impulsive to buy this. And what I like about it at first was because. I hadn't really much hadn't much that exposure into silent comics and mm-hmm. this was one of my first uh, reads that about that uh, style yeah. and the stories are really as you said uh, some are surreal some are lighthearted uh, touching mm-hmm. and some are just uh, you just you can do a bit of self introspection or yeah uh, this comic leaves you thinking that's why I kind of like to read it uh, again and again sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because uh, it, each time you just ask yourself uh why the why the characters do these stuff and uh, I think uh, what sometimes that makes a comic re- very enjoyable because it makes you think yes no for sure uh, and, and this second tale uh, is quite a it's, it's quite a long one um, yeah it's one it's of the long longer stories here yeah, and it's about um, them. F- well, how, how would you how would you pitch this story? Uh, there's a nice there's a nice courting at the beginning. <laughs> there's a the gentleman yeah. t- tries to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you. Uh, how, how does he? How do, how do we? How do we see this unfold? Uh, uh, first, we see the female protagonist. Uh, being courted but she's really unsure of the three guys that she's seeing then we are introduced to this neighbor of neighbor of hers mm-hmm. uh, yeah. just a- across her house and uh, we see that this guy is really broke mm-hmm. to ask her out so he does he does this the the only way he can uh, confess 
is uh, that she that he likes her or loves her is to write a composition then sing it to her but it ends up uh, he ends up singing it so badly that <laughs> the female the female ha- really uh, just laughs hysterically at the attempt and, yeah and but, it's kind yeah. of it's in- endearing isn't it she kind of like falls for him because of it yeah funnily enough they end up together with the family yeah. because of it yeah. <laughs> and yeah you can yeah, we can see that he has three kids right. Uh, three kids mm-hmm. now. Uh, g- uh, boy, a girl, and a baby, and we see them uh, with their everyday lives, so uh, their routine. But then the the next panels show uh, the uh, Diwata mm-hmm. uh, staring from afar. And li- I'll just uh, tell you, uh, give you some reference about this because Duwatas uh, or Encantos uh, mm-hmm. in in our mythology mythology are prone to let's say if they if they encounter some a human that they are really attracted to. They will do anything to invite you to their realm, okay. and once you're in there, you have to be very wary about eating what they give you, because if because if you do eat or drink something that they gave you from that mm-hmm. realm. It binds you to stay and never okay. leave. Oh. That's why it's, it's making a lot more sense now. This story to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. they. They are actually pretty scary behind. Uh, past all their beautiful faces and okay. such. That's why be on guard if you encounter these beings. Right. So they are evil. Uh. Let's say lawful evil, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and yeah. we see the next panels. Uh, the Diwata is uh, is basically hounding the guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just appearing everywhere. Yes. Uh, to his vision. And one day, at work, uh, the Diwata is... Uh, surprisingly, becomes his workmate. Mm, yes, they work opposite each other. <laughs> yeah, and the 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 wife of the male protagonist uh, senses uh, something is different with the guy mm. because he isn't as sweet as he was before. Yeah, and, it's a bit of distance between them. And yeah. It's kind of sad, actually. It is, yeah, yeah. And she actually catches him having a good time with, with the, the work colleague or the Dewata at work. And so she just goes home, and, and again, it's just very, very Awkward. distant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, finally, one day, the Dewata uh, offers his 
uh, offers her hand to the male protagonist and takes him away to their realm mm-hmm. and the the wife actually sees them leaving mm-hmm. and we see panel uh, we see in the next panels uh, of her uh, just uh, trying to trying to continue without him yeah. but you can see the stress yeah yeah it's really hard but then she she gets angry uh, she, <laughs> <laughs> she gets angry seeing her kids yeah and they were left behind so one night she takes them and they just go to the room of mm, the very uh, surreal again surreal thing they, they plunge through the roots they go for a swim in, in underwater caverns they come up through forests uh, they can encounter um, some beasts along the way um, but then she finds her husband and the Duwata um, in a clearing enjoying their time yeah and having uh, other fellow Duwata serving them yeah and here here we see the wife just bruised up angry <laughs> mm, yes leaving the baby to the other kids and yeah she actually uh, she actually has brought the composition with her yes she does and yeah she, she sings it to him yeah she sings it beautifully that yeah. the that the husband cried yeah <laughs> and <laughs> After singing it, he just throws the comp- composition to the guy. <laughs> yeah, and then she leaves with the children, and uh, he's kind of left. He's being restrained by the Duwata, um, holding him back literally while his family walk away. Um, yeah, th- that's that's the that's the hard part because once you bind yourself to the mm. Duwata, you can never leave. You're stuck. Yeah. And so yeah. they make their journey back up. Um, the family go home, and there's a bit of lightheartedness at the end as well, um, because it, it seems like the wife has made peace with what's happened. Um, and this could be like a metaphor as well, couldn't it, MK? Of like, I guess, of, of relationships and couples, and maybe families, maybe fathers and stuff running away and, and disappearing on the family. Um, Anyway, so they make it home, and the baby um, says something musical, and they all kind of laugh, and they have a good time of it, yeah. So, again, it, it kind of makes you think, doesn't it, about it as well. It, it, it's a tale that's told, and it kind of reflects, um, I guess, relationships, which is really, um, yeah, which is which is uh, has got a really strong message, similar to, to like, the first one as well which um, I mean having that kind of emotional impact yeah the yeah uh, it uh, let's it also shows the uh, that you have to be really uh, wary of the relationships that you go into and just not uh just not do as what the husband did 
Yeah. Uh, to just disappear all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. To, to kind of treasure what you have. Um, yeah. Yeah, because she reminds it. Yeah, so very, um, again, very kind of powerful stuff from, uh, from Mannix. Really good. Right, so that was the second story of this massive collection, um, number 14, chosen by MK. Now we've got a another story. We've got a few here, MK. So um, let's just pick a few that we want to want to talk about in depth. Um, the next one, we can quickly go through this one. Uh, so this was the one on page. Uh, let's go quickly through this one on page seventy-one. Um, can you take us through this this little story, this little tale? Uh, actually, uh, the story in here is told by a doppelganger. And it starts off re- really. Uh, it starts off uh, really mysteriously because on the left panels we got a guy just lying in the be- in the bed, and the right the right pages are of panels of him traveling, and late- later on we we can mm-hmm. we can see that. Uh, the guy who's lying in bed is holding on up to a picture holding on a picture of uh, one of our uh, uh, one of our beautiful tourist spots in this the country which is the Banayarais Terraces Mm -hmm. And we can see that he wants mm-hmm. to go there and enjoy the view. And uh, further along the pages, mm-hmm. we can see that uh, he is actually in a hospital. He's got uh, IVs on. Uh, his family is in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Some are crying. Maybe uh, gives a gives us a gives us a hint that his situation is. Uh, terminal, I think, and on the right mm-hmm. panels is of him traveling, and uh, yeah. he actually gets to have a picture uh, posing at the scenic view and the terraces, and mm-hmm. we are surprised when we see the guy. Who uh, took a picture in the terraces was actually uh, giving it to him who is lying in bed, and we, mm. uh, he gives the picture to the guy lying in bed, the because the one, the picture that he's holding is just a postcard of the Panayarais terraces, and the picture that mm-hmm. he. That uh, the later on realized a doppelganger is a picture of the racer of him posing with a smile on the mm-hmm. Panawi Rice terraces, which is actually really heartwarming. And we see on the last page the panels uh, the doppelganger doing his stuff and. Yeah, it's he's just, like a, almost like a is he a shape a shapeshifter or something? Yeah, uh, shape 
yeah, it's uh, it's technical. Uh, it's a shapeshifter, uh, doppelganger, mm-hmm. which is called in our terms uh, Hunyango, and uh-huh. yeah, it's one of the lesser lesser famous uh, mythological beings in our culture. Okay, and what's the um? So what is he? Is he good, or, or what? What's the purpose of uh, the doppelganger in this mythology? Like uh, he, he kind of helps out his doppelganger in bed, doesn't he? So he seems to be quite uh, an encouraging, if anything, encouraging person, or, or, or a, a giver of maybe dreams. Yeah. I don't know. The, How would you? Yeah. The, yeah, the doppelganger in this story is uh, kind of uh, like a dream dream giver. And but the mm. double du- double gang is mostly in our culture is I don't know just neutral I think really mysterious you don't really okay. know what their motives are except for okay. s- some stories but yeah they're mostly yeah. neutral mm-hmm. because um <laughs> I don't know if some loonies will remember we did review the infinity. Well, some of the Mark Spector Moon Knight issues, which occurred in the Infinity War, and of, and of course the doppelgangers there were very much evil. They were kind of almost like the evil opposite um, to our heroes. So yeah, interesting um, to see how doppelgangers are kind of used in different cultures here, MK. And also as well, uh, we have to point out that these beautiful um, was it rice uh, rice fields, rice terraces, um, rice terraces. Yes. Yep, um, I'm assuming these are the same ones because I know some of the Infinity War movie was filmed in the Philippines. Yeah, the last part. At the end, yeah, when you see Thanos on his farm, um, yeah, that's based on the Philippines, uh, the rice terraces. Yeah, that's what the, that's what I read. Hmm. They're very beautiful. They are very beautiful, and they're. Yeah, they're, they're literally just terraces carved out into the side of um, these these mountains. And uh, if anyone who's seen Infinity War, you'll know what we're talking about. Uh, anyway, that's featured in this in this issue here. Um, so yeah, a really a really cool another uh, another window into the Filipino um, mythology there. MK. Um, now we move on to um, with that ending. Uh, we move on to another story, which yeah, we should really kind of get into. Um, this is one that uh, we spoke of earlier that would be good to uh, to really talk about. Uh, this one has uh, kind of like a spirit with a with a horse head. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's uh, <laughs> it, uh, joke, joke. You can joke, jokingly say that it's a reverse centaur. <laughs> oh, okay, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the head of a horse, the body of a man. Yeah, yeah. but uh, in our in our is, country, is that is that what it's meant to be? Yeah, sorry. In our country, it's called uh, uh, tikbalang. Tikbalang. Okay. And yeah, yeah, it's really it's a really uh, fascinating creature. It can run really fast, and there's uh, there's this. Uh, Legend that if you beat if you beat a tikbalang in a race, mm-hmm. uh, you get a f- you get to have a favor from it, and Ooh. if you 
if you are cunning enough to uh, pull the hairs on the back of his head, which are actually worms. Oh. Yeah, it's really. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's a worm, and then you eat it. It's bound oh. to you for life. So what happens like to you? Servant. Oh, it, okay. It, you, yeah, you, you're the master of that thick balang. I've got to tell you, at this stage, we're going through all this Filipino mythology, MK. This is some really um, imaginative stuff. I mean that in an absolutely cool way. Uh, uh, you know, I never would have thought that there would be spirits that had uh, worms as hairs and and uh, and floated around eating uh, entrails of other people with only half their half their bodies. But uh, this is really fascinating stuff for. Uh, culture-wise, um, so it's really—I've uh, I've got to say—I love how you picked this for your um, your top book for Desert Island Books, and and it's a real eye-opener for for any, uh, I guess, non-Filipinos um, and anyone who's interested in mythologies. This, this is just great. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, sorry. Ah, uh, no, you. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no. I, I, I just. Uh, I I just uh, I picked this book for that purpose because uh, the mythology in our country is really very uh, vast with these creatures, and I still haven't even touched about the gods yet. We have different wow. pantheons uh, due to differing regions in the country, and yeah. there are. There, uh, let's just say there are also world eaters in our core cool. <laughs> yeah. mythology, mythological lore. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I absolutely am fascinated with mythology. I, you know, I used to read a lot more of it. Um, now I just love it referenced in, in comics and, and those some of those, you know, loonies will know, big fan of Hercules, um, I love... Um, I love, you know, the Norse mythology introduced through Thor in, in the Marvel Universe, uh, as well as um, big fan of the Monkey King, uh, Journey to the West, um, Chinese mythology. Uh, so, yes, uh, Filipino mythology is very fascinating, and I would love to learn more about, like, the gods and, and the world eaters, the galactuses of the Philippines, or the <laughs> celestials, really, aren't they? They'll be celestials. Uh, yeah. So anyway, let's let's crack into this um, this story with. Uh, sorry, how do you pronounce again these um, these uh, reverse this centaurs? Tikbalang. Tikbalang. And and does that um, yeah. translate to anything in particular? Mm, no, I just don't really. I don't really know. Yeah, it's just a name. Okay. Well, you're a cultural historian now, MK. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for the Philippines. Uh, so anyway, yeah, let, let's crack into this. So um, take us through this this story. Uh, this uh, I guess these are all short stories, right? I mean, um, yeah, sorry, before... Yeah. yeah, I mean, before we go any further, um, let's just say, you know how I mentioned um, for Desert Island Books, for Isla Ra Books, MK has done a very cool thing. This is technically a book. Um, he's gone through a, a technical loophole here, uh, and it's a, it's, it's kind of like a collection, but it's it's like an anthology. So it, it is a technically one big issue, but it's a, a lot of a uh, lot of stories within. So yeah, let let's get into this one. Um, take us through this. Uh, the story, the story that 
Balang tells us it uh, starts with a guy driving. Uh, it's a rainy night. Then he bumps into a alley that is blocked by people walking. Uh, kind of like a march. They're marching mm-hmm. and he waits. He waits all night and it's he wakes up. It's a sun. Uh, it's already. Uh, sunrise, but there are still people marching, continuing, continuing to lock the alleyway. Mm-hmm. So he tries to beat the horn, and he just, uh, he just, he is met with a, a angry glare by a random marcher, <laughs> and he go- goes out of his car, uh, joins joins the march uh, he's uh, now he is curious about why are the, why are these people marching so he walks along them and we see the city uh, city background change to uh, forest of some sorts and they mm. and as he marches along they go through different landscapes uh, nighttime and he, uh, his curious curiosity getting the better of him. He rushes along forward, and he sees people uh, on the front carrying a coffin of some sorts, mm-hmm. an op- open casket, and he tries to uh, he tries to climb on a high high ledge or something to mm-hmm. view the coffin and what he sees shocks him as uh, the open casket has a dead big balang on it mm-hmm. uh, it's like a funeral a funeral march for the big balang yeah yeah and then he tries to run away uh, he tries to go back he, we see the different landscapes that they passed before. Mm-hmm. Then uh, he sees crossroads. He tries, uh, he tries going through them, and uh, we see he finally uh, rests to for a breather, and then he mm-hmm. sees the the funeral march uh, nearby and still walking and. He just goes, he just flees again. He flees and he flees, but he still, he's uh, thinking of of the family left behind, friends. Mm-hmm. And why why so, is he? Uh, why is he running? Why is it? Sorry, why is he running away? Mk, is he scared of the tick balang, or is it a bad omen, or um, yeah, is he just? Is it just something weird? That is that what you know? Yeah, that he's he's uh basically scared out of its, his wits because uh, any uh, any normal man, uh, person doesn't uh, really have uh, doesn't really experience uh, mythological uh, see mythological beings from time sure. to time so it's, it's like it's yeah, like if we're walking down the, it's like if we're walking down the street and we see someone in an open casket and it's like a, a goblin or a you know okay so it's like something that's in our reality is not real 
Yep. Uh, he's yeah. just shocked and uh, mm -hmm. terrified out of his, of his wits. So he tries to flee again and again. Then he sees he sees still the he still sees the march nearby, and mm -hmm. the tunnels black out. The we are in the city again. It's raining. Another car is driving to through the rain. We see another the driver in the car uh, being blocked again in an alleyway mm -hmm. by a funeral march by a march of people. And he tries to beat the horn, and we see the guy earlier glare yeah. at the driver now angrily. Yeah. And we just end. It, yeah, it's really surreal. So there's a bit of a loop happening. So we, are we to believe then that the, the crowd that's moving, basically people who have seen this and gone around and done the journey and come back, and then we see some more people, is, yeah, is, that, is that kind of the thing? Yeah, it, that, that's kind of the thing. And mm -hmm. there's, there's this, uh, what, uh, let's say, uh, counter that the elders tell us if you ever get lost in such a situation like this you mm -hmm. get uh, you are played upon by being such as encantos big balance uh, they tell they tell us that whenever we get lost we just uh, remove our shirt or whatever mm -hmm. we wear on top and uh, wear it uh, uh, we turn it inside out and wear it. Okay. <laughs> so that we, yeah. yeah, so that we don't get lost. It's right. Yeah, it's weird, really weird, but it's a yeah. I, I uh, love these. They say um, it's effective. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a superstition, really. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, very, very strange tale, that one. Um, it doesn't give too much away about um, what a Tikbalang is. And um, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of interesting aspects with um, with it serving you for life, right? If you pick one of the, the worm hairs from it and, and yep. eat something in particular. So, uh, no, very, very interesting stuff. Um, we've got uh, a few more here. Uh, the next one is uh, more on the... Um, again, I, I've forgotten the name, MK. You'll have to remind me. It's that the, the ghost with the veil on the face, um, which is a white lady. Sorry, it's a it's a what we call a white lady. A white lady. Oh well, that's that's easiest to remember. <laughs> uh, anyway, so there's a, a short tale here as well about um, a white lady um, talking to an old man, uh, and and she actually takes her, her veil off. Um, and she goes through a whole gamut of emotions. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, she's just reacting here and there to the old yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure about the the message behind this one or the symbolism, MK. Um, so basically, sorry, just for, for the loony listeners, it is a short. It's a very short, um, uh, and obviously, as all of them are wordless. Um, ones. It's just the, the white lady sitting next to an old man running through, as I said, a, a series of emotions from tearing her hair out to um, to seeming forlorn and sad and crying uh, and angry. It blacks out and then it kind of reappears again with the rain and her looking at the rain. 
and then she slowly puts a veil on again um, kind of almost as an affectionate uh, kind of leaning towards the old man (laughs) nudge yeah and then she goes and then he actually finally becomes a little animated and uh, and he kind of notices his surroundings so um, I guess you can say the symbolism here MK is that it could have been a, a love lost or something uh, and he was deep in thought and she was there right with him all the time and it's only when she's kind of gone that he realises that he's he's kind of alone or something I, I don't know is that have I misinterpreted how, how does how does this one kind of roll that's that's actually a good take you have uh, yeah. first, the first time I, re- I read it uh, it's uh, I understood it as the white lady uh, being misunderstood, having no one to talk uh, to about things. Because when people, normal people, see her, yeah, they're they become scared and run away. But this old man seems to be uh, deaf and uh, blind because mm-hmm. there's a panel here that he try she tries blowing to her his ear but he doesn't respond ah, yes. so yes. that starts her ranting to the old yeah. man and okay so she doesn't by... she doesn't get the effect that she wants she doesn't get the response that she wants from him yes yeah it uh, just seems that the white lady is kind of lonely due yeah. to being you know tag as scary and dark and all that jazz <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah but um, they can be misunderstood as well so that's uh, yeah so again I, I'm really loving how um, Obreras has, has got uh, as you say I can understand you can read these over and over again and, and pick and interpret them in, in different ways and uh, that's the beauty of it especially without having any word balloons you know it's the power of the visuals which make it make it a good thing yeah, it, uh, it enables us to exercise our minds a bit, stretch yeah. our imagination further. That's what really I cool. really like about silent comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and and the next one we'll go through is a is an, another little quirky one. It's all... There's a lot of ones on, I guess, exploration. And, and it's, it's more... Because, um, again, we get into this um, transition from what we see is our reality or as as much of a reality as we know there's that um, a little bo- a young young man um in in a dilapidated or, or how shall we say like a, it's almost like a broken broken <laughs> city like a broken yeah, building it's kind of a dystopian, yeah dystopian setting but that is actually within what kind of looks like an enchanted kind of forest um yeah and so, uh, I don't know. You can take us through this. They giants, you know, with the hairy legs. Oh, that's what we call the capra, the ones that uh, reside yes. in trees and smoke cigars. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's just, it is so surreal, isn't it? So you have these creatures that have hairy legs, hairy backs. 
They live in trees and they smoke cigars. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you don't get that in any, any other <laughs> mythology. I, I love it. But anyway, so they feature here uh, the gist of it, and I like it here because there's a nice use of colour, is um, what I'm assuming are the embers from the cigars, uh, the ashes. Yeah. Uh, kind of the, glowing. The ashes are glowing as they fall down. Yeah, and it gives a really nice effect, like a... I don't know, it reminded me of, okay, bear with me, it reminded me of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, number one, the movie, when Groot releases his, you know, glowing, I don't know what you call it, seeds or spores from his hand to light up the the thing. That's that kind of reminded me. Yeah. That was a beautiful scene. Yeah, yeah. And and it's the same thing here, I think, as well, because... As you mentioned, it's a dystopian kind of area within, uh, and this young man who who's all dirty and, and he's scrounging around for food. Um, he's kind of, you could say, bathed, or uh, you know, he sticks out his hand, and there's nice little glowing embers that just like float down to him, and that's the end of this story, um, and that's all that we see from these. Um, sorry again, what were the names of these giants? Or these tw- tree dwellers? Sorry? They're called Capre. Capre, okay. And does that mean anything? Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's a name too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a brand of cigar or something like that. <laughs> um, cool. So, I mean, so um, that was a... a sorry? Uh, mm-hmm. So that was another story. <laughs> And, uh, and and again, that was almost like a telling because in between these stories, as as you probably heard, Looney's, uh, in between these chapters, there's like a one page with multiple panels of these mythological beings, I guess telling all the other mythological beings their story. So this uh, cigar-smoking tree-dweller, the Capra, gets off the podium um, to the cheers of the... Uh, those unborn babies and the little gnomes <laughs> that we saw earlier and the white ladies. <laughs> and uh, and it looks like it's a little... Is it the little gnome that, that takes up the podium next? Yeah, it's... It's his turn. Mm-hmm. And uh, why don't you take us through um, this one? Yeah, this this one is actually one of the more surreal ones in the, in the book because mm-hmm. uh, we... The first... Uh, title panel we see uh, uh, blood stain on the pavement then uh, the guy who sees it uh, it's actually outside his office and mm-hmm. he just goes to work then the next day he sees, uh, the next day when he goes to work he sees more blood in the pavement and very intriguing this is intriguing I, lo- I love this yeah go on he just he just says uh, he just shrugs it off, goes to work, and then the next day after that, he sees a lot of blood in the pavement. So he's kind of he's a bit worried he can't work, so he decides to go up on the top of the building, mm-hmm. and we see uh, uh, yeah, the, the panels on the top of the building, at the, <laughs> of the view on the top. Are really yeah. good for me. Yes, they are and very he, good. He sees a line of these little nose, what we call duende. Yes. 
And it's crazy. Oh, sorry, I'm laughing because it's such a weird premise again. But go on. Yeah, it's really, really, really weird. Very surreal. Yeah. Uh, and the line of these drones just jump off the building, and the guys just, okay, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just, and he uh, goes nearer as the drones uh, fall off one by one the line until the last when they falls off and the guy just sits on the edge of the building and mm-hmm. sees a very large duende <laughs> we're, to- we're talking about way taller than uh, this this high rise um, the high rise only probably comes up to his chest uh, we're talking giant man here people we're talking huge or it may be larger than giant man but uh, yeah, so there's a huge duende there, and um, yeah, and, and what happens next? And the, uh, the duende kind of uh, looks towards the man, and he just walks away, and the man uh, just compares the the. Duen, the duende walking away to mm-hmm. the, to yeah, his, himself. Yeah, it's yeah, it, really, really it's very, weird. it's very strange because yeah, he he actually then views this giant duende in the distance, and and it's a play on perspective, right? And so he he's kind of yeah. squinting one eye, and he pinches his fingers like as if to hold the duende. In his between his fingers, but you know the the size of it as as the giant is walking away, so it's a, a it's a real play on on scale perspective, um, yeah, and perspective, scale. yeah, yeah. And then he kind of just says, "Oh, okay," and then he goes back down, right? That's cool. Yeah, his curiosity is saturated, but just, just then we see the ending panel. Uh, there's a yeah. there's a guy. <laughs> Uh, spraying water uh, blood in the pavement she's actually yeah. really funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he walks past uh, so just really mad oh, I don't know madcap it's very very cool I, I um, I'd really oh man it would be cool if you do see the creator MK next time at, at a convention over there you should really pick apart his brain and, and just just ask you know how he comes up with this sort of stuff because it's really um yeah, it's quite intriguing, you know. I'll I'll try. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we go through that one. Sorry. Yeah, he's he's a cool dude. Um, given the time, we can talk about it, maybe. Yeah. Oh man, he's cool. Um. Yeah, I'm re- yeah, really enjoyable little short stories. These, uh, and and I must say, and again, I'll say again, uh, MK, a lot more appreciative of these stories. Um, going through it with you because uh, I'm getting the background of the characters and the mythology and and it's really interesting. Uh, it was still a good read before, but um, yeah, it's a lot more. Um, I can appreciate it a lot more now. So uh, again, in between stories, we go back to um, this place which MK and I are now here. You know, in this weird topsy turvy place, um, the little duendes uh, on the podium or the mound. Uh, he, he receives cheers from the the audience. They love his story. Off he goes, and then 
uh, <laughs> I'd say MK this is one of my favourites only because it's so grotesque uh, we get the uh, <laughs> the Tiernuck which um, previously you mentioned is kind of like the um, embodiment of what the evil of of the um, of the unborn baby right? yeah yeah either unborn or aborted stillborn baby yeah stillborn yeah yeah so very freakish uh, and uh, e- even with this style of um, of art which is um, you know stylized very stylized uh, with his goggly eyes and, and bumpy head it's still a little bit freaky so so this next story uh, MK it, it kicks off with the, the cover so to speak the black cover of a a crying unborn or stillborn baby from a word balloon and then we launch into the story uh, take us through this one uh, uh, the story uh, there are actually uh, I think four parts to these stories yes. yeah. uh, the first part starts with the unborn uh, the crying baby in the word balloon and uh, and the guy uh, is curious uh, where the where the sound's coming from, so he mm-hmm. searches for the source, and then he he ends up in a, a comfort room, and uh, where the noise is from a cubicle, and he opens it to see in a toilet a uh, mm. uh, stillborn child, <laughs> yeah. and. Yep. He looks outside the cubicle and he's surprised that the stillborn child is gone in the mm. toilet. <laughs> yeah. And he yes. looks, uh, looks around to search for it, but he is surprised when he sees it right under his foot <laughs> and just goes on yeah. a killing spree. <laughs> yeah, I really yeah. like the panels here. Just oh, red. very much, very much. So. <laughs> this is very much. Yeah, this is uh, a lot of loonies I know will appreciate this. Uh, this is very. This is a very horror element um, to it. I mean, uh, Abreus uses uh, some shadows here, plus the scary look of the of the Tianak as well, and then the red panels with the splatter of blood and entrails. It's kind of very gory. Um, and it ends with you just see some rib cages, don't you? At the end, he's eaten. Yeah, the man. he's just eating. Yep, yep, he eats the man. Because uh, actually, this is the very accurate depiction of the Tianak's mo. He okay. lures people by crying like a baby, and when they see him, he just ambushes them and wow. eats the people he lures. Yeah, <laughs> they're really, really scary. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and then I love it at the end, um, after he he finishes, he kind of um, goes back into the toilet bowl and then you see him just um, underneath the lid, just the eyes and the, and the silhouette of his head. He's just peering, waiting for the next victim. Yeah, the first part ends that way. Then mm-hmm. we go to the second part uh, we see him emerge from the toilet boil and uh, maybe uh, for me I think it, this is his downtime just waiting for uh, <laughs> <Downtime. Victor. laughs> 
this, this is the uh, this is the behind the scenes this is the stuff that you don't see in between takes uh, so all the all the gory stuff is happening and then you see the real world stuff of him just hanging around just lazing around yeah not much to do this this is a very short chapter yeah yeah because uh, the third part ha- happens a page after uh-huh. uh, we see the Tiana just looking at the toilet bowl and yeah. we see his he sees his reflection he tries to uh, disrupt the water uh, to see if this I think this if it is if the city if this reaction this reflection changes and yeah it's another downtime episode chapter I think for him just waiting but yeah but but it's also again stuff that you can kind of interpret yourself right like it's almost him well it's him literally facing himself you know and, and you know his own you know looking at himself and you know you, you wonder whether he's kind of because he kind of plays with the water in the bowl right and he and he um, yeah. and he distorts his reflection so he's kind of staring at himself and he's fascinated by the fact that he can distort his his face by touching the water the water um, yeah it's very uh i don't know i don't know Lenny's <laughs> you know make it as you will but um yeah it, it just gets you kind of like oh that's pretty yeah, pretty, pretty. Seems profound. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it sometimes you just get deep thoughts from yeah. these pages. Exactly. Uh, so then we go to part part four. Four. Yeah, part four is really this is the more surreal part of the story of the Chan the Chana part because we see him just uh, floating in the to- toilet bowl and he decides to dive. Yes. Dive under, and we yeah. see him dive uh, in the pipe. Uh, there's uh, <laughs> what you call it? <laughs> this shit floating around. Yeah, a little he bit dives. of poo. He, he, he yeah. swims past a little bit of poo, <laughs> and he emerges on the other, other, other side. <laughs> it's another toilet bowl, but this time it's. Uh, oh. What's really good here is everything is upside down. The panels, even oh, here. I don't know about you, MK, but that's how everything is down under in Australia, right? Eh? <laughs> Everything's upside down. He could well be in Australia here. <laughs> yes, it's over. Because the people, the people he sees here are not scared of him. Really yeah. weird. It's weird. Yeah, it's a really bizarro, bizarro world. He walks out of the bathroom, of the comfort room, and he, the people are just happy to see him they yeah. all look down at him invite him on the table the Tanak just uh, walks uh, accepts the invitation mm-hmm. he just sits there and uh, this is the more the where the, re- the weird part starts because yeah. they open the the main dish I think and mm-hmm. the plate is empty and yes. the Tiana start just starts uh, climbing uh, on the table, and mm-hmm. he lies on the on the plate of the main dish, and mm-hmm. the people who invited him just start to eat him. Yeah, 
And my gosh, yeah. and you see it in uh, in detail. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they're just all smiles as yeah. they're chop, chopping him yeah. around. They're taking yeah. parts of eating him. And we mm -hmm. see a panel in here. He's still, actually still in his toilet bowl. And yes. there's and there's some kind of movement yes with him in the toilet bowl as he uh, this as we see this is actually his nightmare mm -hmm. he's being yeah. eaten by these people just laughing yes. uh, having fun eating him and yeah. the chapter ends with him uh, holding himself in a fetal position and crying and yeah. we see cries getting louder yes and the the Chanak story ends with yes uh lady uh just uh let, let's say he noticed the sound yes so again <laughs> it's, it's um it's very cyclical it's very cyclical like um, we see it again, so we're started at the very beginning because the very beginning there's a guy that hears the Tianak crying and he ends up being killed and eaten by the Tianak. And so you kind of look at and think, okay, so he's obviously haunted the Tianak by his own his own actions, and and you can look at it at him looking at, at his reflection in the in the toilet bowl, having a dream about he himself being eaten, and and then it, the vicious cycle happens again. You know, and, and that, so that's a nice little piece of clever, clever writing. Um, but, but also done in a very cool, surreal way. Um, yeah, because you don't expect that, you know, him to go swimming in the toilet bowl. So, yeah, this would have to be one of my favourite, I think my favourite stories, just because of the grotesque, the grotesque aspect to it. Um, um, so, yeah, as the story ends, and again, we're returning to this, um, this realm that all the mythological creatures are, which MK and I are in, of course, as I mentioned. Uh, and again, he gets a lot of cheers from the other Tianaks and and the other uh, the other um, creatures there. So he he goes off the mound. So then we have the guy. He seems from the the beginning of the story, right? And he's looking on um, to the yeah. cheers of all the other mythological creatures. Yeah, and we see. Uh... There's a pass. I think the Tianak just walks uh, off the podium, and the creatures are looking around. Because I think this event is like a storytelling of each kind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Each, each, each creature. So it's yes. the guys part as the representative of the humans to tell a story yeah and we see in here the creatures just look at him and just uh, expecting him to tell something so he, mm -hmm. he gets and, and this culminates this this is the sorry this is the final chapter right yeah this is the final chapter mm -hmm. so so it ends on the uh, you know and as the reader knows the uh, part of his team <laughs> the humans so uh, it's a good way to finish off the uh, the issue 14 yeah it's uh, actually this story he tells is kind of uh, foretelling of our culture because mm -hmm. 
what he tells here is what happens when it's all souls day all saints day in here here in the Philippines mm-hmm. uh, yep. in a much more exaggerated way mm-hmm. and uh, can I uh, can I start the yeah of course of course let's see uh, we start the story the human the story the human tells us starts with uh, the cityscape and the people just flocking outside the city they're going towards uh, a rather big uh, what a big that's actually a graveyard it's, it's really big mm-hmm. the it's huge the, the graves just piling up one after the other so it's really really huge we see them looking around uh, walking towards the grave of their loved ones their family we see them eating kids playing around jumping <laughs> off graves just exploring we see people uh, reuniting they're cleaning the graves um, putting up yeah. candles <laughs> yeah, with- uh, cleaning some graffiti there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are people just lounging, uh, playing tunes. Yeah. Uh, there are vendors too, just buying stuff. And there's this one guy that's uh, climbing because his grave is really on top. The grave he's visiting is on top. Oh, it's a girl actually. And then mm-hmm. it yeah. starts to. Night time starts to fall, so they start uh, putting up candles on the graves, mm-hmm. and we get the panels zoom out for the, uh, for a moment to see the candles looking like the graves now look like the city because mm. of the candles glowing and yeah. the graves just high and the people are and yeah we can see a comparison of the city and the graveyard just yes. and the night sky just yeah. uh, just scattered with lights and yeah it's a, it's a kind of a heartwarming yeah, I think it's very. It's a th- yeah, I think it's a very warming, um, warming image because it's a a very um, affirming image for um, our notion of death, um, and uh, what what it does here in the comic is that it it draws parallels between um, uh, a city full of life. You know, with the in the night, with the, all the lights on, to the graveyard, which is of death, but it's full of lights, and in in a way, it's full of life. And then it kind of rounds out by uh, the parallels with the night sky as well. And it just it just seems to I don't know. It's hard to describe, isn't it, MK? But it's kind of like um, a unity between everything, like life and death and the cosmos. <laughs> it's all it's all part of each other. You know, it's it's all one thing. Actually, when you say that, you 
but it's better put that way. I haven't really thought of that. So <laughs> yeah, oh, it really yes. just widens the the understanding of this story. Yeah, because the whole thing along the way, as you say, um, none of the what you see the lead up when the the people stream into the graveyard, none of them, you know, show any any signs of. Um, of like sadness even or, or, or fear there's, there's one there's one panel and it seems like um, someone's praying in front of their their grave but you have people um, uh, eating you know amongst you know their their um, loved ones that have passed away in the cemetery you have people playing games you have the kids jumping around you know people busy cleaning people singing songs it's all kind of it's all very positive you know so it, it, it's a really nice way to take to to look at you know how we how we should relate to to death the the, the passing of our loved ones so yeah very very warm stuff um, yeah, yeah it's it's a good way it's to more, it's more like it's more like uh Celebrating the remembrance of yeah. memories of past loved ones, and yeah. just yeah, the basically that's what uh, the spirit of celebrating the All Souls Day, All Saints Day here mm-hmm. is for us is to remember yeah. them, celebrate their memories, stuff. Yeah, and. Yeah, uh, actually, it's not uh, seen. Here. It's not really depicted here, but we also serve uh, food. We when because it's uh, it's a well celebrated holiday here. We serve food and mm-hmm. uh, other uh, tradition is to serve the. Loved one, the past loved ones with food on the altar. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which uh, I think is, um, yeah, that's a. I think there's a common thing that happens with some cultures as well. You know, leaving either gifts or possessions or food. um, Yeah, as 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 a way of um, connecting. Yeah, I think it uh, it's similar because. Mexico and and our country yeah is uh, are colonized by Spain so we have got similar mm-hmm. cultures with one another and yeah, we kind of would... quite yeah it's we kind of celebrate it somehow they similarly too yes yeah it's um yeah it's very cool very very nice way to end it, it doesn't end there though there's a little bit left isn't there to wrap up this uh, yeah. story, <laughs> yeah, yeah th- we we see them cheering uh, for mm-hmm. the guy's story and the, the, the human, yeah, on the on the podium, yeah, yeah. We see them socializing after the storytelling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the the, gog- the goggly eyed babies with the the horse headed people with the the white women. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, sorry, and, and uh, yeah, and we see we see a, we see a panel in here where the 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 Tianak offers a drink to the guy, and he does the <laughs> right decision to not take it. 
Very good decision. Yes. Uh, is it? Is there something there? Sorry that you said that if you accept something from them or no? Oh yeah, it, it's kind of a, a, it's kind of a general rule actually, to not <laughs> accept food or drinks from uh, oh. the other realm. Okay, right. Because uh, we we don't know what will happen. Either yes. it will bind you like. What I talk about? Yeah, uh, you mentioned yeah before. Yeah, yes, yeah. Okay, so uh, it kind of is a general rule for all of them as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just don't, don't, (laughs) don't accept anything from (laughs) them. (laughs) (laughs) She don't want anything weird to happen to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't, and he uh, he does, and he slowly slips away, doesn't he? He kind of leaves yeah. them to their socializing, and he goes back to his the elevator, and he goes to his apartment for, uh, on fourteenth floor, and yeah, we see him just uh, sitting there, maybe processing what he just yeah. saw and experienced, and yeah. We see him looking outside the window, still raining, and we see a panel of the city just uh, with the rain. And that ends up the book. Yes. That, no, that's it's it's fantastic. It's a great a great little ending there. Um and it's a good good way to end with the uh, with the human telling or you know, I guess it's the avatar for us, right? Just um the, yeah. the reader. Um just um telling the story, uh, contributing. But um I, I, I love it. I think it's really good. Um I'm I'm really thinking MK I've got to th- there's a there's a Gmail here. I wonder. Um, I, sh- I should put it up in the show notes as well um, for any loonies interested. And and think uh, what I'll do as well. Uh, MK, um, I might might need your help with it. Um, you have generously sent me some some visuals of it, um, so I can probably use them. But I might actually create a uh, a photo album for our uh, ITK community um, in as a reference to to this actual Isla Ra sessions because. Uh, loonies, you've got to see for yourself. So I might just take some of the panels of of these mythological creatures and and bits and pieces from um, fourteen. This book, um, which is the number one choice for for MK for his Isla Ra, and so you get to see for yourself the the Tianak, which is the um, the goggly eyed, <laughs> grotesque baby, or or the um, or uh, God, what's the other? <laughs> I don't know. Duende, which is the um, the gnomes, the little the little <laughs> gnomes, oh. all the other the white yeah the white ladies. So I might do that. I might actually just crop some some panels, and I'll I'll create a little album so you can actually reference it. Um, but I'll also put in the the um, there's an email at the end here, MK. Because uh, I'm really seriously thinking, I'd love to get a a copy of this. Um, because for me, you know, having a Filipino background and having a young, a young Anak um, myself, uh, a little Finn, uh, it'd be great to take him take him through it, and and it's just great to be able to explain to him some of these um, this mythology, this culture from the Philippines. So yeah, um, actually- so there's a yeah, sorry. Yeah, actually, I think they're selling it online, and mm-hmm. I can just uh, give you a link 
to the online oh, shop. Fantastic. They have. If you can, that so, would, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah for sure. Actually, so, so Looney. Sorry. Uh, no, uh, you can actually but uh, see more of his stuff in the link. He... Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so Looney listeners, uh, as you listen now. All that would have been done for you with the magic of podcasting. It's in our episode show notes, um, so just have a geese there. Click onto it, have a look. Um, support your, you know, support your independent comic book creators, and consider maybe getting a copy of this. Uh, looking through it, I, I trust you. You will enjoy it, having gone through with it, and especially using this Isla Ra as a as a reference. Um, and our good loony MK taking us through um, the understandings of the Filipino mythological creatures—it's fantastic. Uh, MK, I've just got to—I've got to tip my hat up to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking us through all your Isla Ra books. I'm, re- I'm really honored to be in this podcast. Really. <laughs> Ah, oh, no worries. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we've got a, a beautifully nice, chunky size episode for your loony. So, uh, listen it, listen to it at your discretion. Um, MK and I are here in the. Um, what, is there a name for this? It's not. It's not hell, is it? It's like the realm for mythological beings. What would you? Is there a name? Mm. Sorry, you may have told me. Uh, I think there's. Kind of a nameless. Uh, let's just call it the uh, uh, void or something. <laughs> I don't know. The void. <laughs> let's call it the another void. <laughs> See how? Yeah. So cool. we got the other void. <laughs> we'll call it. This is the another void. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and loonies, of course. Uh, so we're here now. We've probably better head off before we get offered some food or drink um, from one of these creatures. MK, um, so um, I'm going to have to dial in Frenchie to, to to give us a lift from the moon copter to get us out of here. But um, again, a, a big thanks to you for coming onto the show and for sharing uh, your favourite comics. But not only that, a bit a bit more culture for for all the loonies out there. Uh, loonies, you can uh, interact with uh, MK or. As you'd probably see him in our community, Midkind. He's a, a very, uh, very active loony in there. So um, pop in, say hello. He's also in the loony bin, which is our twenty-four-seven chat room. Uh, you two can join it. Just check out our um, our group for um, a link to get in there. Uh, but a big thank you again. Uh, this has been our episode ninety-nine. So we are one episode shy of our centenary episode, which is going to be a big one. Um, a lot of things under wraps uh, won't reveal too much to you but uh, looking forward to it it's going to be a big bumper episode we're going to try and go one step further from our episode 50 so um, uh, so MK I'm, I'm hoping uh, have you been uh, been listening to some of the, to the episodes lately or yeah uh, I think I'm one episode behind but okay cool yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, no worries. Well, um, we'll, we'll be I sure to um, please, sh- yeah, for sure. Well, when this one drops, um, please share it around. Uh, uh, it's great. Um, we just love our ITK community, uh, and, and yeah, we want to make it as um, involved 
um, for everyone as, as we can as well so um, yeah so share the love now as usual you can drop us an email on you can get in touch with us in various ways uh, by email itkmoonnight at gmail.com we're on uh, we have a facebook page facebook.com slash itkmoonnight and we are we have a an awesome group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash itkmoonnight where um, our good friend mk uh, is there so any questions again if you have uh, on this episode feel free to drop him a line uh, actually having said that MK, is are there any um, uh, are there any ways to contact you that you'd like to um, to give a shout out? Do you have a, a Twitter account or an Instagram account or, or anything? Oh, actually, uh, Facebook is the only platform I use besides Discord okay. occasionally and Reddit. But okay. Okay. yeah, yeah, I occasionally drop by Reddit. But uh, okay. I, I shameless plug time. I run a page it's called it Susan Core. Uh, I regularly put memes, reviews, and oh, just, just stuff I share. I can, I put I put there. Uh, it's it's mostly comic centered uh, movies, <laughs> games, anything anything I that draws my interest. Uh, you can cool. l- just visit the page. It, again, it's Hits yeah. and Core. Yeah. <laughs> yep, so, and, uh, Hits and Core. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I'll be showing this episode too. Yeah, oh, excellent. Great. Well, we'll we'll put a link to Hits and Core as well. So, um, so Looney, you can just check that out in our show notes as well. Uh, a good way to, to get in contact with MK. Uh, apart from Facebook, we were on Twitter as well. At the handle is at ITK Moonlight, easy enough. And of course, Instagram, YouTube, Tumblr. Just search for Into the Night, a Moonlight podcast. Uh, finally, iTunes ratings. Uh, if you do love what you hear, interested to hear more, or could tell us um, segments that you'd want us to do, we're more than happy to, to do new things. Uh, please drop us a rating. Um, high ratings would be highly appreciated. It just lets us get out there a bit more and um, to make ourselves known to other loonies um, who may love and share their passion for Moon Knight too. Uh, once again, MK, a big thank you. Uh, I know um, uh, hopefully this recording is seamless, but uh, we've been uh, convening uh, on, on separate occasions to, uh, to pull this all together. Uh, a big thank you once again. Oh, thank you too for this opportunity. I'm really, really honored to be here, and it's a uh, no nice worries. experience too. Oh, it's, it's been awesome, uh, and of course, you're more than welcome anytime to come back onto the show, um, whether it be talking about Moon Knight or whether it be talking about more mythology. I want to hear more about those Filipino um, world eaters. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I might uh, hit up a chat with you in the uh, in the loony bin. Uh, that's it for this episode, Loonies. Thank you so much for listening. As I said, be ready. You know, get your spike knuckles on. Get your white masks on. Get ready for the 100th episode coming up next week. But before then, as always, may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later.
Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.